Welcome to Fire Breathing Kittens, an actual play podcast. Every episode microplot is a complete adventure with a beginning and an end that fits into the overarching macro plot of the whole season. Because they stand sturdily on their own, you can listen to these adventures in any order and can skip any you don't enjoy. Today we are playing using the combat mechanics from a game called New Edo. It's our first time playing, so we might make some mistakes. We are basically guaranteed to make some mistakes. If you enjoy these mechanics, you can find New Edo on Drive-Thru RPG. Build your own New Edo character and play a game with friends. Speaking of friends, today we are joined by Lothario Bushaki. Well, konnichiwa, y'all. Uh, my name's Lothario, as uh, the GM was so kind to say. Uh, today, I'm wearing a jade kimono. I had a red one, but I didn't want to be too in your face about it. So I got this jade one, but what's beautiful about this one is I got white cuffs on the sleeves. And there's an illusion that it's like a landscape on the kimono, but the rivers look like they're flowing. It is it's divine. It's beautiful. Now, usually I wear a hat to go with my outfit, but not today. Today, I have my shoulder-length hair brought up in... It's not enough for a top-knot bun, but it's like this tiny, like the tiniest bun you've ever seen in your life. It's right up there. And then I also have... As usual, my goatee, auburn hair, violet eyes, and I am ready to go. Excellent. You look dashing today. <laughs> well, I thank you very much. That is so kind of you to say. I love the magical clothes. Well, I, I know a guy. <laughs> Errol Corvidbow. Greetings. Errol, I'm, I'm currently dressed in a puffy shirt. Uh, I have a new pair of boots, freshly shined, with no holes in it. Um, I have a, a burn on the right scar to, side of my face. Uh, I have multiple gold rings on my fingers, a waxed mustache, and an eye patch over my right eye. Uh, normally, I would be wearing my large, wide-brimmed hat, but currently it is sitting on a table. I have a yellow hard hat on that says Quality Assurance, and I am taking olive oil bottles that say Glissant Family Olive Oil and replacing the label... <laughs> With a label that says Jacqueline Glissant's anti-aging ungent. And on the label is a photo of a baby wrapped in a cloak. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's great. Oh, that's a callback, everyone who's listening, to the episode Sanctuary. Right? That yeah. That's correct. Indeed. Yes. <laughs> and Chico Barrett. Nice to meet y'all. I'm a three foot four inch desert cottontail rabbit folk. I got tan fur, white chin and belly, and orange paws, wearing a cotton shirt, denim overalls, straw hat, and a backpack filled with straw. In addition for today, I'm trying something new with my throwing carrots. I've attached them to the ends of some sticks to make them look like Hawaiian spears. And there's also a coyote that's made its way home in my backpack. Back where I'm from, coyotes are revered as guardian spirits that bring good luck. But all this coyote's done is nip at my ears and sass me. And then he just, like, see a coyote, he's just kind of rummaging in my backpack and just going... Oh, my goodness. Eating all your carrots. Yes. (laughs) Where do each of you wake up on this fine Thursday morning? Uh, I wake up in the local tavern. (laughs) 
I fell asleep at the table wrapping olive oil bottles. I would so, say that Chico woke up probably in a, I guess in the inn where he was sleeping. Where I don't know for, I don't know where exactly around, but I know he doesn't have actually a home because he's out traveling all the time. So I'd say he's in his inn where he's also got this coyote that's been with him for a while. That's just kind of made its home in his backpack and he wakes up there. So, I don't formally have a place in Nicomoy. I mean, my parents got a place in Godaloo, but I'm currently, uh, what they say, couch surfing, even though sofa surfing sounds so much better because you got that alliteration, I'll say sofa surfing. I've been sofa surfing at my friend Shasta's place, and uh, it's, it's a little lumpy, so I don't sleep too great, but I get to sleep in a little bit, so I make up for it. All right. What sort of path would each of you take to get to the fire-breathing kittens' guild hall? Uh, Errol would uh, walk the streets of Nicomoy, uh, attempting to sell his newly labeled bottles of olive oil for, uh, say, ten gold a bottle. And as I do, I make my way to the fire-breathing kittens' guild hall. Chica would just wake up, stretch, and gather all his things and start, just start hopping his way towards uh, the Fire Breathing Kittens Guild Hall. I'd assume it's, since we're all in the same town in Nicomoy, it's within walking distance, so I'm just hopping my way over there. So traditionally, what I do is I will wake up. Uh, Shasta has insisted that I do 15 minutes of cleanup, so I help around the place, and then I do 45 minutes of... Uh, Making myself ready for the world, you know, making my sure, making sure my goatee looks proper and dressing accordingly, you know, uh, as fashion dictates. Uh, once that's done, I'm about two blocks from the Fire Breathing Kittens Guild Hall, so I just walk on down, um, saying hello to passersby, being as friendly as possible. You know, we gotta advertise for our guild. Yeah, you're saying hello to people. You know, you you arrive at the guild hall and you think back on some of the people that you said hello to on the way here. When you first left your apartment, as you walked down the street, a person walked towards and past you and you said hello, of course. They were a three-foot-tall mink person walking past you on the street in the direction of your apartment as you headed away. The shine on their beautiful mink fur in the sunlight lingers in your mind's eye. I do appreciate beauty that the world has to offer and... There are so many different types of people that are beautiful in so many different ways. So I will relish the mental image of that person for the rest of the day. <laughs> Errol, there's something bulky in your pocket. Oh, oh! I would pull it out. What's in my pocket? It's a letter. You had absentmindedly left this envelope in your pocket yesterday, then forgot it was there. I will read its contents. Before you open it, you, the player, think back to the game Ironsworn. Do you remember when you rolled and the result said something bad would happen to the people you care about? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I do. I do. Anyway, so the letter says, Errol, Errol, it's Kalmon. I was doing some divination magic, and you're not going to believe this. Meet me at 9-1- Zero, three, two, Hiss Navigan Road. Yes, it's really me. 
the same Kaleman, while out investigating a dragon cult, knew to find you on the bank of a creek bed with the right half of your body badly burned. Divination magic is how I knew you were there. I gave you shelter and helped you recover, taught you some magic, and we worked together, doing odd jobs on the road to make ends meet. So now you believe it's me, Errol. It's the second page. And you know why I'm writing this. Come to 91032 His Navigan Road after you open this, while standing in the Fire-Breathing Kittens Guild Hall on Thursday morning, and bring Chico and Lothario with you, too. Lothario will know the way. Interesting. Um, can I take a closer look at this with an investigation roll to see, uh, look at the type of writing to see if I recognize the handwriting style? And we're in the new Edo role-playing game. Let's do some new Edo mechanics. So in new Edo, you've got a fate card. And you do the fate card before things like skill checks and, like, we'll get to the rest later. But So your fate card is going to be rolled first, okay? All right. So let's roll that, and then we'll roll your skill check. You roll fate by rolling two d10s. One of them represents the one-digit place, and one of them represents the tens-digit place. So go ahead and determine which one would be zero and which one would be 100 before you roll, and tell me your number. All right, I got a 62, which uh, is in the empty space of my fate card, so nothing fateful happens for this roll. All right, and for the listener, that's how you do critical and uh, botched things in New Edo. And you also have fun effects that can happen on certain ranges, like from 72 to 75, you do this. So anyway, all right, now let's do your skill check. What skill do you propose you use here? I was thinking investigation to find some context clues on the handwriting or, you know, perhaps they got a little jam on the envelope or who knows. Any clues I can glean. So it would be my perception, which is 15, so that's 1d10, and then my investigation, which is an 8 and a 6-sided die. Mm -hmm. Okay. So for the listeners, Errol's player is going to roll those dice and add the number to their skill. And I've got a difficulty set to this of 11. I got a 20 total. Oh, yes. As you peer at the letter, you see written on the back of page one, I knew you would look here because I am a divination wizard. It's me. (laughs) (laughs) Am I convinced that this is Kalamon's handwriting, though? Yes. (laughs) Okay. Um... That guy's good. I mean, I'm not there, but I would just, I would tell you that. So I will, uh, am I already in the guild hall? Did we just say that? Yes. Um, I will look around for, for Lothario, Bushaki, and Chico. Are they, are they, have they arrived yet, or am I still waiting for them? Oh, yes. I will uh, approach Lothario. Uh, uh, par- pardon me, are you Lothario Bushaki? Oh, why, yes, indeed I am. I know my reputation must precede myself. Uh, who do I have the pleasure, or excuse me, with whom do I have the pleasure of speaking? Uh, er- Errol Corvid bow at your service. Excellent, excellent. I love your yellow hard hat. That's very iconoclastic, <coughs> but it fits you properly. 
Oh, I, I forgot about that. I pull it off real quick, embarrassingly, and I pull up my uh, wide-brimmed hat and put it back on, and I hide the hard hat somewhere. Oh, that's <laughs> uh, even better. Pardon me. No, no, yeah. it's okay. safety first, my man. That's that okay. Was my, that was my moonlighting job. Uh, I, you know, it's a side gig, but uh, I need to talk some uh, business here with, with you in the, in the fire-breathing kittens guild hall. Oh, okay. Uh, what you want to talk about? So... I received a letter from a good friend of mine, a, a wizard named Kalamon, who's a, a divination wizard. Uh, he's under the impression that uh, we need to go to a 91032 Hissing Hiss Road. I don't. They the letter said that you would be familiar with this location. Lothario, well, you do indeed know the way. Because it strikes you that nine one zero three two Hisnavigan Road is your address. That's the cozy cottage you're crashing in. Couch, sofa, surfing with Shasta Fremont. <laughs> well, as a matter of fact, that is exactly where I just came from. Uh, I wish I would have known. I could have just stayed there. But it's nice to meet you, and I'm glad we're on the same team. But yeah, I'll take you there. You want to go right now? Or you want to grab something from the bar? Or uh, we actually, I don't know what your morning routine looks like. We actually need to grab one more person. The letter says we need to get Chico. I believe he's okay. a. I believe he's a, a a tan colored rabbit around here somewhere. Do you? Oh, I think I think he's that's him right over there. Ah, Chico, it's nice to meet you. I'm Errol Corvidbal. Uh oh, uh, nice to meet you, Errol. Uh, my name's Chico. He tips his little straw hat and says, "And you're here with who is this?" Oh, he hello. Uh, I am Lothario Bushaki. It's a pleasure to meet you, Chico. Man, Fire Breathing Kittens got so many people. This is fantastic. Oh, yes. Nice to meet you as well. But what was that you needed, Errol? Uh, I got a letter from a good friend of mine, a, a wizard named Kalamon. Uh, apparently, there's some business that we need to attend to at 91032 His Road. I have no idea what that is, but I'm sure I'll follow you. Um, I was about to sit, I was just about to sit down and start working on some origami, but hey, this sounds like fun. GM, can you reread the the part about why we were supposed to meet there? Because I I blanked go it. Go there. It just says go there. <laughs> and wait yeah. further instructions. You'll know when you go there. Okay. It says come to address after you open this while standing in Fire Breathing Kittens Guild Hall on Thursday morning and bring Chico and Lotharia with you too. I will say I was very suspicious of this letter at first, but after closer inspection, there is nothing leading me to believe that this wasn't Kalamon. Do you mind if I take a look at that letter? I appreciate fine handwriting, and I like to see different examples. Oh, absolutely. I'll hand it to Lothario. Okay, I will take it, read it, and then you see shock cover my face, because it says exactly when he would read this letter, <laughs> and with whom he needed to join up with. And I hand it back, dazed, and for the first time in a while, speechless. <laughs> uh, pardon me, Chico. There's a coyote nibbling at at the back of your neck. I just wanted to warn you. Uh, Nusi is not fond of wildlife in her in her <laughs> guild hall, so you might want to keep that under wraps. You hear that? You stay put in your backpack. There, you hear? You hear? You hear she can she can be bit. fierce with a broom. Well, if she manages to actually get rid of this coyote, I wouldn't mind. Then what? And that coyote, you just, you just hear, like, sassing him back. It's like, you heard me. 
Hey, well, let's get out of here. I don't know when this coyote is going to leave. It just, it just showed up one day. It just showed up in my backpack. Went, I tried to pull it out. I tried to be nice with it. Tried to cook. Nope. Wanted to stay in the backpack. How how long has it been in the backpack? A couple days now. Do, does it come out to, you know, eat or pee or anything? I've never seen it. It probably has, but it it's pretty sneaky. It's a pretty sneaky little thing. Yeah, okay. We'll I, go with that. I would imagine there'd be a noticeable smell if it didn't make bathroom breaks oh, yeah. from time I th- to time. I think, it, I think it has some good bed manners, or whatever you'd call it. Some, it was, I think it's house trained. or what. It's a wild coyote, though. You know, coyotes are like... My, I come from a ninja clan, and we and our uh, <laughs> deity is a coyote, so it's like our guardian spirit animal. So usually if a coyote follows one of our people, it's to sign a good luck, good fortune. But all this thing's been is just bad luck, just a nuisance. My foster mother, uh, Rowena, uh, used to tell us tales of a coyote that always kind of got into got into some trouble with different other creatures. A very troublesome creature. Mm-hmm. So, uh, would you guys like to head out and find out what this letter's about? Yeah, I am very curious. All right, let's head out. I okay. will sally forth from the guild hall. Lothario, do you lead the way? Oh, uh, yes, I think that would be most appropriate, considering uh, nobody else knows where we're going. <laughs> and I just came from there, so it will be very easy for me to retrace my steps to uh, passers-by that I just said hello to earlier. I'll say hello again, and they can wave or whatever they do, and we'll go back to Shastas. <laughs> you arrive at 91032 Hisnavigan Road, a cozy cottage. There's an unlocked door that leads to the inside. Um, like it's, it's got like a gate, right? There's an unlocked door gate that leads to the yard and the cottage. I will push through the gate and, well, I will wait for... Lothario, he's familiar with this place, and I, I'm a guest here, so. Yeah, I would say, um, Shasta's particular. She likes to keep her place clean, which I totally understand. And seeing as how I'm technically a guest, um, she would prefer if y'all take your shoes off before we enter. And you can put them right there by the front door. About to say, joke's on her, I don't wear shoes, so I'm good to go. Well, that works out all right. <laughs> um, I... Errol will pull his nice new boots off and set them there. As you all approach the door to the cozy cottage that Lothario is couch surfing or sofa surfing at, before you can even get inside the door, you hear water running in the sink, as if this place were entirely open, and getting closer, seeing the door itself, the door is open and, well, broken. Shards of door litter the floor. The whole place is trashed. Shasta owned three lutes. Half of one of the lutes is on the couch you sleep on, Lothario. Oh my, hey, everybody put your shoes back on. <laughs> there's, there's too much debris and I don't want y'all's feet to get all hurt. But as soon as we get those on, uh, I, you know, except for you, Chico, you're, you're good. Um, we got to check out what's going on. This is not how I live. I, I just cleaned this place a moment ago. <laughs> What happened here? Looks like did someone there was there a break in? I, I don't know. I my good friend Kalamon wouldn't have trashed a place like this. You hear water running in the sink in the kitchen. I would like to investigate, but I think I might stealth 
in that direction because I don't know. There might some, be someone still in here. Well, they probably would have heard us, but just out of caution, I will stealthily approach the kitchen. Okay, and let's do another new Edo skill check. First, roll your fate dice. I got a 68 again. Uh, again, that's in the blank range of my fate card. Mm-hmm. Stealth is actually an opposed skill check in new Edo, so I don't tell you if it works or not. It's suspenseful. <laughs> that's fine. Um, what was your number? And tell you tell the audience how you calculated that number, because they're learning how to play. I'm rolling 2d10s for reflex, because I have 20 points in reflex. And then I have, for stealth, I have a d12, a d8, and a d4, and I add the, the roll. I got a 30 total. Ooh. So I'm officially, as the gym, not supposed to tell you whether or not that succeeded or passed, because it's a suspenseful, opposed stealth check. You tiptoe. Across the debris-strewn floor, past half of a loot, towards the running water sound in the kitchen, keeping an eye out for anyone. You look around corners, you look under a smashed table, and there's no one in the kitchen that you can see. You look up at the ceiling, there's still no one in the kitchen. <laughs> debris scattered on the floor makes it slippery and unstable to walk in here for everyone. Now in the kitchen, the sound of the sink faucet's water running is even louder. The tap has been positioned over a vase that is full of white roses. Running water fills and overflows this vase of white roses. Dewdrops sparkle on the white rose petals. Positioned in pride of place in the bouquet is an envelope, and written on the envelope in swirling calligraphy is the word Chico. Oh my. I will not touch anything. Is there an exit out of this kitchen, or is the way I came the only way in? Oh, are you asking me? I will I will say, that kitchen is a dead end. It just kind of is a nook. Uh, Chico, it looks like somebody left something here for you. I, I'm not touching it, if you would like to come investigate. Oh, that's neat. What did it, what did it leave me? A bouquet of flowers. <laughs> oh, that's sweet. Let me take a look. And I take a look at the white flowers. It's like, well, they should. I turn, can I turn off the faucet? Yes, I, I would appreciate if you did. I mean. Yeah, why'd they leave this faucet running? It's going. It's already messy enough in here as it is. So please do that. <laughs> I don't know why they had to do this and give you flowers. They could have just given you flowers. I'm going to go ahead and start cleaning up again, because I know how Shasta gets. Mm-hmm. So someone gave me flowers and left an... Oh, this is nice looking. Let me open this up and read it. Inside the thick white envelope is a sturdy cardstock rectangle. On the back is an image of two gold rings and baby's breath flowers. On the front, again in that swirling calligraphy, is written the following words. In swirling calligraphy, it says, You are cordially invited to the wedding of Chico and Coraline Barrett. Goldberry Farm, Thursday, 3 p.m., child-free ceremony reception to follow. Errol's reading over your shoulder and he goes, Congratulations, Chico. I didn't know you were getting married. I'm not <laughs> getting married. Oh, no. She's found me. Who, who's found you? Your wife? Your bride-to-be? Ah, oh, shoot. 
I will stop cleaning upon you. He's him. like, oh, right. she, she's found me somehow. And somehow something with these letters and the divinations and the, I, don't, I don't know how she found me or how she knows I got, got here. Maybe she figured out I was part of the fire breathkins. I don't know. Oh, man. Uh, long story short, she's my cousin. And my, my family, they, they try to marry within the family. And I, I didn't want anything to do with that. And on our wedding day, when they had us, our marriage arranged, they I, I, I fled. I, I ran as far as I could and tried to get out of that. And now she's come and found me. She's trying to drag me back to the back to the farm. Uh, I can't say I've uh, heard of this kind of custom before, but I don't blame you for running away. It's a it's a very closed gate family. And clan, we got our we got our secrets and you know, family secrets and whatnot. It trained us in the ways of our of our ninja of our ninja techniques and uh, of our of our specialty farming. Like I said, I got this this coyote our coyote harvest goddess. But now I'm trying. I'm just trying to get out of it. Trying to find, make a life for myself, and I don't, I don't want to go back. Well, I have oh. to say, I'm concerned for my friend Kalamon because if, if he wrote this letter and led us here, I'm wondering if he's being held captive. Because they wanted you here, Chico. Well, maybe he just knows we're supposed to help Chico. I mean, this is not exactly a situation that uh, is favorable for him based on what he has been telling us. Now, I, will, I do have a question for you, Chico. Members of your clan, uh, I only have read about ninjas in storybooks. And I assume y'all are stealthy and careful. Is that correct? Yes, that is mighty correct. Very careful and stealthy. So can you please help me understand why I'm surrounded by debris all over the place uh, and a sink running over here? I think I'm in trouble, okay? That's all I'm saying. And this does not look like the work of a ninja based on what I have read. Chico, who did they hire to come after you? In Trikimui Drift, we saw them. They were thwarted by your speed. Chico, um, Chico rubbed his chin and says, This might not be from any ninjas, I know, but I do know a, a dastardly thug that Coraline's hired to come, come after me himself. I, I wouldn't imagine that any of my clan would come come after me. Now they're going to stay on the farm, and Coraline is on a mission trying to find me. M- most people in my clan don't go go beyond uh, go beyond our farm, Goldberry Farm, or even uh, go beyond Brambleboro. So, the only ones I could see would be my cousin Coraline and that dastardly fellow uh, George E. Porgy. He's a wolfful character that come that's been hired trying to come after me. Well, considering the water wasn't shut off, I imagine they had to leave in a hurry because it looked like they were preparing the roses and then had to book it. I'm not sure how the damage in the front room happened. Well, Lothario's going to take out a notebook and a quill, and I am going to write down the name Georgie Porgy and circle it with, with gusto, as if to say that he has now made the list of um, people that should not have crossed me. <laughs> G- GM, tell me if I need to roll for this, but I would like to look at, a, at the damage in the front room and just to see if it was like they were tossing the place or d- does it look like there was a struggle, like someone was trying to c- capture somebody else or. Mm. Well, capturing someone else. Gosh, Lothario, when was the last time you saw Shasta Fremont? 
Well, technically, it was yesterday. Uh, she sleeps in a little bit because she usually works in the evenings, so she was here. Hmm. I'm going to go ahead and check, knock on her. She's not in her room. <laughs> She's not in her room, and, well, I, it's hard to say where she would be. Gosh, hmm. She should be enjoying the beautifully clean living room that I just cleaned. Clearly, that has not happened. <laughs> has she been known to wield a loot as a weapon? No, no, that... That is her favorite loot that is now in pieces, and that, I don't know who did that, but they in for a world of hurt, not only from me, but from her. But I think we should do a, we should look around for her, keep an eye out for her. If it was the same, and I open my notebook, George E. Porgy, he's in trouble. All right, I can see why, I can see why your uh, divination wizard friend got us together, because if Chico is being sent up the river in a marriage he is not, doesn't want no part of, and then my friend got taken, we, we need to work together. That sounds like a plan. I think we should, it looks like they hightailed it out of here. I think we should look outside of here for clues as to which direction they went. You hold in your hand <laughs> a wedding invitation. Oh, uh, that's true. And what's your question, Chico? I was going to ask, Oh, hey, uh, Lothario, I have a question. Why would they come to your house looking for me, Chico? I think they know we're in the same crew. And we are close to the guild hall, but they don't want to go in a guild hall full of adventurers. That's foolish. But they would definitely kidnap somebody if I am to creep into the mind of a perpetrator. They would take an innocent person like my friend Shasta as a ransom to make sure you show up to where you're supposed to be. And we'll show up, but it's not going to go how they think it's going to go. Uh, I, I actually have an idea. Hear, hear me out on this. Perhaps they kidnapped Shasta because they needed a musician, and they knew <laughs> Lutharia was a bard. Maybe so. I do have, I do have rates posted on the outside of this uh, cottage. And they could have just read the rates and, you know, left me a note. This is a little bit overboard. And they broke a loot. Why would you do that? That hurts. That was beautiful loot. Mother of Pearl inlay. Mm. That's wrong. Um, Jim, can I look in a closet and see if there might be any uh, human-sized uh, large coats? Yes, there is a coat. And it's, like, medium-sized? Yes, Shasta is a human. Okay, I'm going to, like, ball that up and throw it in a sack and carry it with me okay for future purposes <laughs> i look forward to it and i would also like to get um hold of those white flowers you said that were in the vase you possess white roses okay take those roses all right so i guess we need to confront them at this wedding ceremony are you taking that vase too or just the flowers just the flowers hmm. all right and you are returning that coat, right? I mean, this isn't a... I will, I will return the coat. Okay. When, <laughs> I know it looks like garbage in here, but no need to loot the area. You, uh, oh, no, no. I wouldn't even think about that. You have it on my word, Lothario. <laughs> no, I understand your flowers. Those are your flowers. I'm being straightforward with you. I'll give you the Errol Corvid bow. Uh... Honor, I will honor my word and say I will return this coat to your friend Shasta. Personally. 
And I and this coyote in my backpack are your old witnesses. And you hear the coyote just go. <laughs> well, that works for me. All right. Do y'all want to investigate this wedding? Yeah, I, I reckon so. Before we do, there were people I said hi to several times. I imagine one of them saw something. I'm very engaging. They would have picked up on some somebody being carried away or something. I'd like to go ask them if they saw anything fishy. After talking to mm. several NPCs outside that I don't have to name because I'm passing the conversation up, you have the information that a almost seven foot tall blue gray furred wolf folk with yellow eyes and a blue collar work uniform and a 5'9", 180 pound human, 30 years old, black hair, pale white skin, hazel eyes, wearing a dark robe with leather pauldrons, walked past. Uh, that's that's the description of Kalamon. I'd recognize him anywhere. And that certainly is Georgie Porgie, without a doubt. Well, that also sounds, that person sounds like Shasta. Hazel eyes, dark hair. A male. Oh, that is not Shasta. Yeah. You're right, they are similar. Yeah, Shasta's got olive skin. But no, it was a male wearing leather pauldrons, which I looked up. Those are shoulder plate armor things. He likes the big shoulder pads. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so do you guys would you guys like to do anything before we check out this wedding? I mean, clearly we're going to recon before we go in there. I don't expect us to just waltz up there. I'd rather not be seen by my cousin, but in you, someone y'all could be talking with her, I guess. Chico, I have a plan for this when we get there of how you cannot be spotted. Mm -hmm. Well, like like we deduced, I'm a ninja as well, so I can just be hiding. And I can hide real quick, too, if I need to. But what was your, what's your plan? Well, they're looking for, how tall are you? Like four feet, maybe? Three foot, four inches. A three-foot-tall rabbit, humanoid, and I mm-hmm. am a three-foot-tall halfling humanoid, but they'll never suspect a medium-sized person <laughs> in a trench coat. Yes, I agree. That would be amazing. I will, I will be the face man, and you'll hold me up, and <laughs> we can sneak in undetected. We'll need to get some boots or something to cover up these rabbit feet, but yeah, I like it. I think I might have something in my closet that uh, is ostentatious enough to distract from any potential interpretation of uh, rabbit feet. (laughs) I will go back in the apartment, grab the shoes, hand them to Chico. Mm -hmm. And Chico's going to put them on. Then we'll sit. I guess we'll wait until we get up, get close to our destination. Yeah, I don't want to make, I don't want to burden you with my full weight until we're in in the location. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Chico, how do you get to Goldberry Farm? Oh, we're heading to Goldberry Farm. Only oh, if you want what's... to attend the wedding, your wedding. Mm, mm. Well, she's Coraline's actually do, hold, trying to hold it at the farm. Wow, I was expecting her to try to hold a. Well, she must be serious then. Well, and Chico's kind of just kind of contemplating this. Well, best way to get to the get there is, I guess, by train. Okay, one train ride later. The harsh sun beats down on you from a cloudless sky. A dirt road leads you first through dry land with sparse trees. 
Then the scrub, brushes, and spindly trees have been cleared, and there are rows and rows of well-irrigated corn, carrots for throwing, onions, peppers, tomatoes, all neatly planted. A rabbit scarecrow wears faded overalls in the bright sun. You hear the crop's leaves rustling in the wind, but not any other sound. A few white farmhouses squat at the end of the road, their frames not entirely level, a bit crooked. Grasses grow waist-high around the closest farmhouse's front porch, including at the base of the stairs at the stairs junction with the road. Like when you go to walk up into the house, there's grass growing tall between those stairs and the road. Man, this place has given me heebie-jeebies being back here again. I didn't think I'd ever be here anytime soon. Man, I can't wait to get that disguise on because I do not want to be seen by my family back here again. Oh, man. So, they so might... this is your hometown. Yep, it is. Home sweet home. I mean, it. I'll be honest. There are some wonderful things about this place, and I do love my family, and I wish them the best, but I really just want them to leave me alone for just, you know, just for maybe a year or so. So I can figure out what I want to do with my life. You know what? Maybe I'd decide to come back here on my own. But, man, they just want me back so bad. Oh, man, poor Coraline. I I don't want to break her heart. But, uh, yeah, Chico's just beside himself with this whole thing. Some Sometimes people will go to great lengths to keep you in the mold they have expected for you. So I'd... I'd I don't. I sympathize with your want to leave. Oh yes. And with I was that, sort of, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was. Uh, I was going to say. I was sort of forced. It, my hand was forced. I was going to put up with it, but they surely were not. Were going to make sure I was going to get with Coraline, and I have a feeling Coraline had something to do with that. Oh, poor girl. I, she. We. We grew up. We were real close together growing up, and she's, and she fell in love with me. But I don't love her the same way back. And she just can't. Get, and ever since I've run away, she's been looking for me and trying to get get back with me. I'm trying to chase her until she gives up. But instead of giving up, she's just gotten more more drastic going and sign people up for ransom from what it looks like and having me come all the way back home for. Oh, man. Figured she was going Man, she I don't think she's taken off her wedding dress since the wedding day. <laughs> and with that, I will uh open my sack and pull the jacket out and I'll say, "Well, are you are you ready to get this disguise on and see what we can discover?" You, you see him slipping on them those boots or the shoes that uh Lothari gave him. He's like, "Oh, yes, yes. Let's get let me get in this disguise right away. Hell yeah. Let's go." I will <laughs> I will hop on his shoulders and put the jacket on my shoulders. This seems like a great time to use the assist mechanic, which I'm not sure if you could use out of combat or not, but this is certainly the moment, am I right? So let's have you both do the stealth roll, and who's assisting who? I have a 12, and 8, and a 4. What do you have, Chico? A 4, a 4, and a 6. Is there a way I can help them stack themselves? I mean, I don't know if I'm truly helping with stealth per se, but... <laughs> <laughs> arrangement you know oh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah i just want to not make mechanically sure but it, it almost needs a third party <laughs> yeah. yes tuck chico's ears please they're, they're kind of poking me 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm fine with uh, either of us making the roll. Would you like to, Chico? I've made quite a few rolls today. You can go ahead and make the roll, and I'll do the assist, because you got the higher one. Okay. Uh, okay, assist says, you may help an ally who's attempting something that could reasonably benefit from a second set of... I guess everything, because there's two of you stacked on top of one another. It says second set of hands or eyes. You guys, yeah. <laughs> or by rolling the same, um, by rolling the same skill, skill only, no trait. Okay, no trait. So I think some of your dice are considered trait. I don't know how that works. Right. As your ally, so you roll roll the same skill as your ally, and add your total to their roll. Their full roll must occur. After your assist turn on their turn, so that's during combat. All right, so go ahead and add your two numbers together, but the person assisting doesn't add their trait. Um, I should roll mm. my fate first, too. Oh, yeah. Yes, let's see if this is destined to succeed or fail. A 79, um, still not, still ah. in the blank area. You avoid the critical botch that would have left you guys with a ripped trench coat that couldn't be used. Good. <laughs> so, um, what... Is the assist number, which is just your skill, not your trait? Eight. Excellent. And what is the total from Errol's player? Hold on. I got an exploding die. I got a 10. Whoa. A 27. My goodness. Plus plus what I didn't add what he rolled. What was that, Chico? I've got eight total. So 35? 35. Oh my goodness. Mm. Okay, noted. I'm not supposed to tell you the result. Yes, Lothario. So, I, it is not clear, according to the rules, but it may be helpful for us to discuss, because this may be a question that the listeners may have, if they endeavor to play this game as well. Can I also provide a help action? Because I believe it goes to the person whose turn is subsequent after mine. So if I help, and then Chico helps, and then Errol does his thing. Then he's like, got two people helping him at the same time. Um, I mean, technically it's a combat rule, so we're using it out of combat, which is not like officially the rules anyway. So it doesn't really matter. I'll just tell you because of looking at the result comparison. So don't worry about it this time. You don't have to roll any dice. But if you if rolling dice makes you feel better, you can. Now there'll be plenty of time for that later. <laughs> I'm not concerned. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah, so that happened. Chico is now holding up the weight of Errol the halfling under a trench coat. Errol, you've got your legs like where you're sitting around Chico's head, you know, and he's holding onto your knees. <laughs> and I'm, I'm moving my arms in as convincing a way as possible to make it look like I'm walking. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. Where are you guys walking to? Um, let's head head towards where we think this wedding might be occurring. Do we see anybody in the distance or hear any uh, s- people setting up or anything like that? Everybody make a perception check of some kind. Mm-hmm. Perception. And Chico's player, describe how that's done. I'm going to be looking around for just... I'm going to be using my survival to look around for obvious tells on my own farm. Because most of my clan are hiding in plain sight using their abilities, and I know what to look for. And that would be mm-hmm. survival, it's because my ninja clan is based on using crops with their techniques, like throwing carrots as kunai or using explosive potatoes, so things of that nature. So I'll be rolling survival with my perception. 
What dice are you using for your roll? I'm using a d10 for my perception, just a single one because it's a 10, which gives me one d10 dice. And I'm using a d8 and a d12, which is my skill with survival. All right, everybody, what are your numbers? I got a five. I don't actually have perception as a... (laughs) (laughs) I like how you're the one on top. Um, (laughs) Roll with a disadvantage, Chico, because you are in a trench coat. (laughs) I forgot about that. And disadvantage means that you remove that D10. D10. So I've got a nine total. And do other dice besides the D10 explode, or is it just D10? I think it was just D10. Just D10. Mm -hmm. So I've got a nine total. Still rolled better than me. So I am... I'm rolling a D10, one D10 for perception, because I got a 17. But I'm also rolling a D4, because I got that for investigation, because I'm investigating what's going what's going down. And so I got a nine total. <laughs> you guys me. do not see any ninja rabbits around. <laughs> this place looks completely abandoned. There's grass growing between the walkway and the front stairs of this slightly angled farmhouse. I will whisper up to Errol since he's here with me. Now, you might not see anything, but that doesn't mean they're there. If you see any scarecrows or any of those little a little rabbit lawn ornament sitting around, that's them. They're around. They're here. That's their, that's their tell. And Chico, you know that growing up here, mm-hmm. people don't actually live in those houses. They live in the warren, which is mm-hmm. where rabbits live underneath. Mm-hmm. Yep, the houses are just a just a staging device. Anyone that comes here, they'll be chased off by coyotes. I tell you what, if we we're here too long, as long as they got the invitation, we gotta look for that. We gotta look for the church that's around this town. Just as long and as y'all have the invitation. You know that it would be underground. Because oh. the, all of your living quarters and rooms are underground because I looked it up and rabbits don't live in houses. They live under, well, obviously, they live mm-hmm. underground in warrens and burrows. So that's the true living place of your clan. Yes, yes. <laughs> so How would so. you get underground? <laughs> Wait a minute. So I'm looking at Errol and I'm looking at Chico and they seem appropriately sized for any underground traversing. I'm... <laughs> Not that small. So, are there larger tunnels for guests? Or, like, I'm, I'm directing this question both, I guess, to Chico and the GM. It's like, wherever you have weddings in your family or clan, do, are, are outsiders allowed? Or, like, how would I get in there? Well, considering that have, they have holes big enough for Uncle Jerry to get in, he's big fellow, I'd say, okay. yeah, you'd be able to make it through just fine. Uh, Chico, did you have any exits you used to evade people when you were leaving? Like, could you lead us to an entrance to the Warrens that you might have used solely by yourself? I could probably find one. They're usually around here. They're a bit hard to find, but I'm pretty sure it'd be easy to find just by by taking a look around here. So, Jim, what would I roll to look for an entrance to the Warrens? I have that as automatically passing because you grew up here. Mm -hmm. Of course you know how to get into your home. That's like forgetting where your front door is. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't want you to fail this. So I I only let you guys roll when I'm going to change the story if you fail. Mm -hmm. So Chico knows exactly where it is. I'll show you exactly where we need to go then. All right. Point me in the direction. And I'll take him to the entrance. Is this Georgie Porgy person live around here by any chance? 
he didn't grow up on these parts. He was hired out outside by by Coraline. But now that you mention it, he might be around here somewhere looking for me, waiting for me to show up so he can snatch me up and drag me down and get me suited up. I ain't getting suited up, that's for sure. But you guys have the invitation. If anything, I believe the invitation should stick with uh, with Lothario here since it was at his place of residence at the, at the time. And this is just your friend, the, I guess, the human-sized halfling. <laughs> your plus one. <laughs> yeah, it's my plus one because they stole my traditional plus one originally. So I will go ahead and take the invitation and I will shout very loudly. I say, hello, I'm here for a wedding. Where do I go? Uh, you can call me Thomas Underhill. Me and my man Thomas, we want to see a, man, a wedding. Anybody here? And I'll just shout it to the, the wide world. Do I hear a response or see anything move? Chica's silent. You, I'm going to roll for your fate. You hear the crop's leaves rustling in the wind, but not any other sound. Well, that's unfortunate. <laughs> I think we just got to find a way in. Without saying a word, Chico just starts walking towards the entrance. All right. I follow my two <laughs> uh, compatriots. So, uh, yes, that's right, Chico. You grew up here and you know that this farmhouse is just for show. You turn away from the stairs that would lead you up onto the porch of that white farmhouse. Rabbits prefer to live out of the sun's heat and away from hawks' eyes, deep in the cool of an underground warren. Describe opening the secret entrance. Although I know you don't want to share your family secrets with the listeners. But looking, I guess, how are you looking out of the trench coat, too? Yep, describe all of this. (laughs) Chico is leading the way because he's the legs of the two two minute or two halflings in the trench or a halfling in a rabbit in a trench coat. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm looking through the small slit in front of me. That's just able. That's why I had such a low perception roll, and I can see directly underneath me. So I know the path that we're on and where to turn. We turn to this cornfield, and we're and we're going. It doesn't. Even, we're not even on a path anymore. We're going straight through a cornfield, and you'll see me stop and see something, and I point and I'll take another turn. You guys will see stuff like little little rabbit statuettes as a sign of someone's been here and watching. Like, you know what I'm talking about? They're like little lawn gnomes instead of little rabbits. <laughs> so you see those around the place. You'll see scarecrows. You see little bales of, like little sacks of little, or sacks with a painting of a little rabbit face on it. And pretty soon we get to a little opening. It doesn't have any paths going to it. And then there's a hole going into it. But it seemed like I was just following a path of its own that didn't exist, like winding all around. This is in the middle of a huge cornfield. And I say, all right, we're here. This leads to all the winding paths underground, including the church and the school I went to. Man, I hope no one sees me. Well, let's go. <laughs> Before we uh, enter willy-nilly, are they going to be upset that uh, a stranger in myself, although immaculately dressed, uh, is coming in with another stranger, Mr. Underhill. We just happened to come across your secret entrance. Hmm. That is true. You could just say that you happen to have 
Make something up like you have magics beyond their comprehension to make your way here. They've never seen people outside. And if you got this invitation written with Coraline's handwriting, they, they, they'll take, you, take your word for it. Especially if you say you know Chico. Okay, Th then I will do that. I will say magic beyond their comprehension. I have, we have a plan. Thank you. <laughs> that should, that should do. Um, also, uh, they, they are very polite, but they, they are very wary of people outside. So you just keep that in mind as well. That's understandable. Long as you don't, don't raise arms, it should be all, it should be all right. And like I say, if you say, you know, Ch you know where Chico is and you, and you've got everything and you can tell them, have information for him. They should be willing to talk with you. We'll cross that bridge when we come to it. That sounds like a plan. All right, I'm ready to enter. The ground slopes downward in this hole, prompting an athletics check from Chico. All right, let me roll that real quick. So my athletics check, I've got Iguza's power, which I have 25 in, so that's 2d10. And I've also got 2d8 with it. So let me roll 2d10 here. Well, that wasn't that good. And then 2d8. To tell you, I'm setting this at 25 because walking downhill in a trench coat with a tiny <laughs> slit to see where you're going is rough. That's that's rough there. Well, I've got a 14. <laughs> I should not have given you the heeled boots. That was a mistake. <laughs> you are walking downhill and Errol is on your shoulders. Mm -hmm. and your foot catches because you're in a trench coat, you start to stumble and fall, but you actually do a full front flip because of your bunny legs and your ninja skills, and the mm -hmm. whole person, the whole medium-sized person does a flip and lands on your feet, <laughs> the trench coat billowing in the, in the jump, revealing the Chico that did the move. So you're not only revealed as Chico, but revealed to be awesome. So uh, let's narrate this. Yes, they were watching the people who were walking into their war, and you guys, Lotharia was right. And the person watching you was, Four bunny ears appear, then faces. Chico, you recognize your Aunt Arlie and Uncle Jean. They are your cousin Coraline's parents. Chico! My goodness! exclaims Aunt Arlie, her face warming into a smile. So good to see you! I haven't seen you in quite a while! She drops her voice and mutters, Not since you left my daughter at the altar. Resuming her normal volume, she continues, How have you been? And she's astonished at how athletic you are. <laughs> You're still inside the trench coat. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Aunt Arlie. I... And Chico starts getting worked up and just like sniffling a bit because, yeah, it's talking to someone in his family since it's been a long time and being guilted like this. I didn't mean it like that. I didn't, I just not. He, he's ha he's at a loss for words, doesn't know what to say. He's been caught. You're too sensitive. I'd like to move up and put my arm around um, where Chico would be so it looks like I'm holding Mr. Underhill's hips, I suppose. It's a little bit weird, but... Oh yeah, he he's got he's very endowed in the rear end because of that backpack. <laughs> I'm uh I'm gonna go ahead and put my arm around you because I can hear you getting emotional, and that that 
that affects me because you're my, you're my team and I, I want to do what's best for you. And so I'm just there to remind you, you may not be able to see me because you're in the trench coat, but I'm there and you can feel my presence so you know that you're not alone. Oh, um, yes. So all I'm doing is I'm coming up to the stacked team and then I'm with my arm around what looks like the hips, which is really just around Chico's shoulders, to comfort him, to let him know that I'm there and he's not alone and he doesn't have to face this by himself. Mm-hmm. I'd also like to add that the little coyote that's in the backpack is also kind of like comforting him as well. Uh, the coyote in my backpack is is my Kami um, magical little magic spirit, and it has an active ability called Enshroud. And as long as it, as long as it uses an action every turn, it gives me a bonus to all of my or equal to its pet rank, which is two, to my target number and plus two to my resolve. You feel a bit stronger mm-hmm. with your spiritual link with. to the coyote reassuring you. Mm-hmm. Your aunt says, What did you expect, running away, letting your clan down like that? But don't you fret your little head. We've helped you out and got everything ready for a beautiful wedding. Oh, shucks. That's nice to hear. Now, hold on a second. I, 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 uh, who is this uh, f- beautiful lady that, uh, to whom I'm speaking, Chico? I would like to introduce this. This is uh, hmm? I, 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 oh, uh, let, let me let me introduce everyone. Can I get Errol? Do you want to step off my shoulders now that we've been found? <laughs> yes, I was going to say, seeing the jig is up, I would have got off your shoulders and removed the trench coat and uh, kind of uh, put the put the coat away for the moment. Mm-hmm. Chico's a bit nervous, but also he's warming back up because he is talking to his family again. He does, and he is a bit homesick. He's missed his family. He's a, uh, I'd like you to meet my Aunt Ar- Arlie and Uncle Gene. And Aunt Arlie and Uncle Gene, this is Lothario and Errol. Errol was the gentleman staying on my shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> Lothario, Errol. Uh, pleasure to meet you. Uh, Errol will pull out a... I'm sorry. Errol will pull out a cigarette case, a silver cigarette case, and open it up, and inside is pieces of licorice candy. And uh, he's going to hand a piece to Aunt Arlie and say, It's lovely to meet you, Aunt Arlie. I've heard so many great stories about you from Chico. Please add to your fate card. You have a plus 2% that target opponent becomes enthralled. That one was enthralled by you for one turn. Yeah. A pleasure. And Lothario. I will say, uh, hey, baby, I need to ask a question to you. So you may not know this, but there was a kerfuffle back at my place where I got this handed dandy invitation. Now, normally when people invite people to weddings, they don't trash the addressee's place of residence. But that happened in this case. And in fact, uh, the proprietor of that place, my friend Shasta, was taken. Can you please explain to me wh- where you learned your manners? Oh, um, so the Barrett clan appears polite, but they're downright rude. And so Aunt Arlie says, Well, this is your own fault, Chico. Ain't no one to blame but yourself. You abandoned your groom's duties. Now how are you going to make it better? The one thing Coraline wants her groom to do is cake tasting. Can you at least handle that? She smiles. Her face softening 
Uncle Jean follows suit a moment later, expressionless face warming to a smile. Aunt Orly, uh, again, it's, it's lovely to meet you, but where I'm from in the turkey neck, uh, one has to be willing to get married in order to be married. And I believe Chico has many reservations that he has attempted to tell you about if you would let him speak. I, 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 uh, well, it's something, well, I, he kind of starts stuttering because he wasn't, (laughs) it's like, and he looks and it's like, Errol, I know you mean well, but it's like, this is a complicated matter. That we can discuss over cake. Would you like some? Uh, yes, yes, ma'am. Oh my gosh. Okay. All right. So as a GM, I super don't like Arlie, but um, playing her just, all right, I'll stop breaking it's the fun. fourth wall. It's fun. I know. It, I can uh, tell you're having fun. It's, no, it's great. I don't like Arlie. Anyway, so <laughs> you you go further in the tunnel, following her, your cotton tail hanging low, oh, and yeah. the bright light fades away. Darkness envelops you. Occasional orange light from a torch flickers in the distance. The walls made of soil, are rough and damp. The scent of earth and vegetation fills your nostrils. There's a chill here that hadn't been present in the sun outside. The tunnel twists and turns, presenting you with a maze of shadows, corners, and hiding spots. Torchlight barely illuminates the outlines of doorways and branching passages, each leading off into the unknown. An unwary traveler could easily get lost forever in this labyrinthine warren. You realize that the rabbits who call this place home have designed it with stealth in mind. Your normally weighted footsteps sound unnaturally loud. Aunt Arlie walks in front of you, and Uncle Jean behind. The tunnel widens into a room. You're in the next location, guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ready? Small openings in... Oh, sorry. Um... To get here, you followed the following tunnel branches. Left, left, right, left, right. Uh, Before we get into that next room, as we are traversing this very dark corridor, and as the chill uh, permeates myself, I would like to go ahead and light up a cigarette to not only warm myself, but provide that teensy-eensy little bit extra of light. So I can see a little bit better. <laughs> Noted, and this is still not appropriate for children, this podcast, so it's fine, right? We're R-rated anyway. Or like, what's the highest rating? Yeah, that one. All right, you're in the room. Yeah, I know, forced marriage, that's ridiculous. <laughs> I can yeah. just hear it, like <laughs> him saying that and echoing through the, through the hallway. <laughs> Muttering that. All right, you're, the tunnel widens out into a room. Small openings in the walls and ceiling let in slivers of sunlight that cast a faint glow. Despite the dim lighting and cramped conditions, there is a sense of coziness and safety in the burrow, something that, Chico, you remember from growing up. Mm -hmm. Round walls, dampening exterior sound, peace, tranquility, and in this room there are enough chairs for all of you surrounding a table. Upon the table are trays of cupcakes, a jar of markers, and stacks of fancy paper. Uncle Jean says, It's tradition that the groom needs to pick out the flavor of the wedding cake. I will address Jean and say, Is it also tradition to kidnap somebody that has nothing to do with the groom 
in order to force him into a situation. I mean, I'm, is nobody else getting hung up on this? What's wrong with y'all? Not you, team. Kidnapping is a traditional part of marriage. <laughs> is this true, Chico? I don't, I don't think it is. I think Uncle Gene's just full of it. But I, don't, I, would, I wouldn't consider y'all being kidnapped. If y'all feel like you need to leave, that's oh, perfectly fine. Uh, no. He kind of darts his I eyes back. He's talking about his friend Shasta, who they did kidnap in order to bring us here. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought you meant like you guys. That's why I was a bit like, oh. No, no, no. I'm, I'm here to support you. Chico, we're behind you 100%. Whatever you choose, we'll back you up. But while we are in the neighborhood, I would like to find out about Shasta. Um, where, where, is, where is his friend? I'd ask Uncle Gene. Uncle Gene looks at Aunt Arlie. <laughs> um, Aunt Arlie looks at Uncle Gene sternly, totally ignores what just happened, kind of twisting the reality to what she wants it to be, and holds out a cupcake towards Chico. You are way too emotional. A good groom and best man, and she, like, you know, looks at your two friends, would be writing wedding haikus. Now, how do you like this flavor, dear? She pushes a chocolate cupcake towards Chico. There are 11 flavors left. I'll try the chocolate cupcake without saying a word. <laughs> and then upon mention of the wedding haikus, you see that this table is covered in trays of cupcakes, a jar of markers, and stacks of fancy paper. And what do you mm. think of that cupcake? Well, this one tastes pretty nice. Pretty and nice. And she smiles and says, tastes just, <laughs> tastes just like you always made it. <laughs> oh, not hardly. Uh, yeah, it's familiar. Okay. Chico gets a warm smile. He kind of he kind of starts to warm back up to his family again. And just, oh, he just says, this thing's real. You know what? We'll, we'll figure things out in a minute. But on Arlie, is, is his friend okay? His friend's okay, at least okay, isn't isn't she? Of course. We just needed a wedding musician. Okay. Gosh, I can't believe you're so selfish, she says to your friend. She's, these are selfish. not polite people. I'm sorry. He turns back to Lothario. He, he's got... <laughs> He's got he's got fear in his eyes. You see, Lothario, everything uh, will be all right. This will be a this will be a wonderful wedding. He's oh. shivering a bit. Let me let me try this this flavor as well. What can they try the flavors too? Absolutely. You all get a cupcake. Um, this one is vanilla, and she's going on about how this is supposed to be the happiest day of a mother's life, and you won't even taste some cake. Like it's about her. <laughs> You're being selfish. Asking about your friend. Do you want a vanilla cupcake, everybody? I'm not trusting this food personally. I take, a, I take a bite out of it just out of formality. I'm going to take a cupcake and I will hold it, but like sternly. I don't know if you can sternly hold a cupcake. That seems uh, like a paradox. <laughs> but anyway, so I'm going to look at her while holding this cupcake. I'm going to say, look, I am a musician. My friend Shasta is a musician. The way society, I don't know how it works inside this war, but uh, society, we exchange uh, goods and services, you know, with money or something of value, we don't force people to do stuff they don't want to do. Now, apparently, um, you're forcing this uh, fantastic young man to eat these cupcakes. Does he want to eat the cupcakes? You didn't even ask. You just said, eat the cupcakes. And this is what I think your cupcake, and I'm going to throw the cupcake against the wall. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay. Uh, that's a vanilla cupcake at the wall. And then Chico, what did you think of the vanilla cupcake? It was good. And like I said, I'm halfway through. You said there were how many? 20? <laughs> there are 10, 10, 10? flavors left. I, okay. I would like to lean down to Chico and, and, and speak to him kind of uh, sidebar a little bit. I'm just going to say, Chico, you, you really shouldn't play along with this. You've got to take a stand for yourself. We can help you all day, but you've got to speak up. Of course your friend is being paid. You think we did not compensate her for our message to you? I do not. I have. Chico eats more cupcakes. You get a coconut <laughs> cupcake, by the way. There are eight flavors left. Or, I'm sorry. Nope, this one's marble and there are nine flavors left. Spoilers. Mm-hmm. What's the marble cupcake like, Chico? Uh, tastes amazing. It's it's one it's one of my favorites, but that I always like the coconut one better. Do you have a list of all the flavors? I am. Yep, I've got. Yep. Send a list or send a list to uh, the messenger. <laughs> okay. Because Chico <laughs> is it, like maybe Chico's not eating the entire cupcake. He's just taking a taste of it. Of course. As of course. is tradition. <laughs> so to absolutely so to Lothario. Um, she says, as she pushes, this is the coconut cupcake now, towards Chico. We properly compensated her for the message that we sent. And honestly, if you don't participate in this cake tasting, she points to the vanilla cupcake slowly sliding down the wall. It's like lower than it was before. <laughs> I don't see how we can move forward as in-laws. It's just one little thing. Can't you do this for us? And this is the coconut cupcake heading towards you all. <laughs> there are eight flavors left. <laughs> I do have manners, because Grandma D taught me right. And so I will graciously accept the coconut cupcake, but I'll still hold it sternly. And I'll say, look, <laughs> uh, I don't know if you know what happened to her house, but it's trashed. Did you pay for that, too? And her favorite loot was broken. I saw half of it on the place where I sleep. Sternly holding the cupcake, but not yet ready to throw it. Chico, would you consider your, fa- your clan to be without gold or resources? Are they destitute? Or are they capable of paying for? They are self-sustaining. They're able, they do trading, so I, I don't imagine them having gold on hand. If anything, they have. They would be able to compensate in very high-end crops for sure, like really, really t- delicious produce. It could be anything from vegetables to fruits to whatever. Mm. So you can imagine like them. It's like like having a we're sorry cornucopia. <laughs> how is the coconut cupcake oh you're talking to me yep. one of my favorites but i don't know if it is my favorite give, give me that list, that list. <laughs> all right you said how Two, many flavors 20 eight flavors left to errol oh. she says i don't know you and i can't tell if you really care about the barrett clan's future if you did you would support this cupcake cake cupcake tasting and show your support she pushes a pineapple upside down cupcake towards errol ma'am in my experience people show you they love you by accepting who you are and not forcing you to do things that you don't want to do i do not want your cupcake <laughs> rejected i'm just gonna write rejected next to the pineapple upside down cupcake <laughs> to lothario she says i am gonna sneak hold on i'm gonna sneak a bite while while um while Errol is speaking to her, coconut is his favorite. And so he, you know, he don't want to be left out, but he don't want her to be satisfied like he's participating in her. Uh, just, yeah, this cupcake tasting is ridiculous. So he takes a small bite, uh, 
eyebrows go up because it's delicious. <laughs> of course. But then he just sets it down like, no, I don't want that. I agree with Errol. Chico is <laughs> is going along with it, trying to look as feigning just just disdain as much as possible, just saying, oh, yeah, everything's fine. But he is like shaking as you as the other two are sassing on Arlie. Like he is scared what she might end up be think might be thinking or want to do to them. But he's not speaking up or going against her. And you guys would be able to see it as well. There's def- a definite like he, he's been whipped by this family. Oh, and so has Uncle Gene, who has fallen asleep. Currently, the only person watching you guys eat cupcakes conscious in the room is Aunt Arlie. And she turns to Chico and focuses all of her attention on him. The torchlight illuminates the tunnels outside this room. As she says to Chico, Every Barrett clan member is going to be at the wedding. You don't want to be the odd one out, do you? She pushes a coffee cake cupcake towards Chico. There are six flavors left. Her back is turned to Lothario and Errol, and Uncle Jean is asleep. Oh, shucks. Of course I wouldn't. The coffee cake? I know this is one of your best. Let me... And is it, do, you, do you leave the leftover coffee grinds in there as well to give it that extra crunch? And he bites into it and it's like, oh, man, that is amazing. <laughs> it has the crumbles on top, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Errol's going to try and sneak one of these coffee cake cupcakes without anybody seeing me grab it off the table. <laughs> She's not paying any attention to you. You don't even have to roll. Nice. I'll save that for later because it does look delicious, but. After, while eating the cake, I'll, I, I, Chica would be attempting to talk about like how this is delicious. He hasn't had anything this good since he's been on the farm, but that there were some other foods that he's had outside the farm. I'd imagine she'd just immediately cut them off. She does. Oh, yeah. You start to talk, but Aunt Arlie has dominated people for years. Uncle Gene, you can see as a result of that. She pushes a peanut butter cupcake towards you. There are five flavors left and says... You're always so negative about your home. The outside world isn't that much better. Can't you just try to have a good time here for once and finish this cake tasting? And now you have a peanut butter cupcake and there are five flavors left. Mm. Chico's not too fond of peanut butter because it sticks to the roof of his mouth. And when it gets on his nose, he's constantly like how a dog, like, like trying to lick it off. He hates it. So he carefully tries to eat it, but he's not too fond of peanut butter. And it's like, oh, peanut butter is not my favorite. She's like taking notes of like very serious about the cake tasting because this is going to be your wedding cake. You have the feeling that she's prepared one wedding cake in each of these flavors somewhere in this warren. Mm. Lothario and Errol, she's not paying any attention to you. You are not being supervised at all. What are you doing? Uh, I would like to step aside with Lothario and like have a sidebar conversation about what's going on right now. Uh, Lothario, what what's the play here? What do we do? Man, I don't know. So... I want to help. I want to help Chico. Uh, it doesn't sound like he wants to get married, but every time Aunt Arlie talks to him, it, it feels like he has to do what she says. And I don't know if she's some wizard or whatever, or if she just has a strong personality. I understand that. That happens in my family, too. But uh, maybe i tell you what. Oh, I have an idea. Why don't I challenge uh, Chico for the hand of marriage of Coraline? And I will propose marriage, Coraline. We'll see what happens here. Hmm. But then how do you get out of it if you don't want to marry her? <laughs> I, you know, do you remember earlier when Chico was talking about how 
she had affection for him, but he didn't return it, and she was kind of raising the stakes and trying to pursue him more, and he just couldn't get away. I've never experienced that. I I don't know if it's me or I just have this effect on ladies. I don't I don't think we're gonna be in trouble. Uh, I think she will find something about me that is off. And according to their traditions anyway, it has to be somebody in the Warren. But I don't know what if they're like an honor-based society and they have to take this challenge seriously. I'm willing to do it. Well, let's keep that in our back pocket because it's not that dire just yet. But do, would you like to perhaps sneak off and I will stay here and look after Chico to see if your friend is in the area or perhaps you can get a glimpse of her? Mm, maybe. I'm not what you call sneaky. Uh, I happen to be wearing, you know, them wooden sandals and I point down to my feet and I'm wearing sandals uh, made of wood and they're very loud in this warren. It's like, I don't think I'm the person that's going to be successfully sneaking around. You, on the other hand, you're smaller and craftier. So, and plus, I smell like cigarette smoke now. Everybody's going to smell me. And, um, I don't mind staying. And I can calm the situation down. I won't be as aggressive as I was with that vanilla cupcake incident. I'm sorry you had to see that. <laughs> it's a foot lower on the wall than it was before. Can, can you give me a description of Shasta? I haven't seen her before. Yes, I believe... Let me see if I can recall. I just saw her this morning. So this should not be as difficult as I'm... In Lothario's voice, you hear... 5'7", 125 pounds, jet black hair, olive skin, green eyes, wears fashionable clothes such as a short sundress or color-coordinated capri pants and hat. So you know, beautiful. And very talented, like... Okay. <laughs> In that case, uh, I, would, I would like to take my leave and attempt to sneak away to see if I can find any glimpse of Shasta. Roll your fate! Oh, and Chico. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she pushes a black forest cupcake towards you and says, I know you're hesitant, but trust me, you like being married. We do, Arlie says and looks at Jean, who, like, wakes up enough to nod. And that's distracting them as Errol. Oh, and black forest is the cupcake. And there are four flavors left. I've never heard of black forest out of character. Can you tell me what that is? Chocolate and cherries, often with a coconut glaze style frosting. I'm going to have to try that. IRL. It's really good. Yeah, German it chocolate amazing. black forest. Yeah. Oh. I I well, rolled I, my. I'm sorry. I was about to say, Aunt Harley, I've never had this flavor before. <laughs> <laughs> I invented it. <laughs> she says, her eyes widening. Genuinely says, it's delicious, Aunt Harley. <laughs> uh, Errol, I rolled an 84. Um, so I had just added a two percent chance targets enthralled, which it would. It it hits that, but that's not going to affect my current role. I think I think she is enthralled with Chico. She's so enthralled that I think you get advantage on your stealth roll. That would, that's oh, what that would mean, right? I get what you're saying. That sure. would work. Yeah. yeah. And like I said, Chico has never had that flavor before. He genuinely actually really enjoys it. And like I say, I don't know. If, I want to see if the flavors, but I think he, he after eating that, he's like, I've never had this before. This is it. Yeah. This one. Yeah. I don't know how many flavors I have left, but... Four. Four flavors left. I got a 20 on that stealth roll. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Describe what you do. Um, Errol will 
kind of crouch down and go to the other side of the table and then try to find his best way uh, around the room to see um, how many exits are there? Just the one you came out of that nobody's looking at. So I'll head that way then. I'll head back the direction we came. Errol slips away unnoticed down the tunnel. Torchlight barely illuminates the outlines of doorways and branching passages, each leading off into the unknown. An unwary traveler could easily get lost forever in this labyrinthine warren. And that is where we are going to stop for part one. We've split the party. Hopefully they survive. <laughs> Joining us for part one were Lothario. I think it's going to work out. <laughs> Chico. Open parentheses, internal screaming, close parentheses. <laughs> and Errol. Stealthy bunny friend. He does not wish to marry her. Chico must stand his ground. <gasps> A wedding haiku! Oh, oh my gosh! <laughs> that, that was awesome. Thank you. That was so no cool. And we have a review. Uh, yes, indeed. So, this is from a person called Cosmo24, and it reads as follows. I just started listening in March and have enjoyed it so much. Oh, sorry. There are four exclamation points, so let me read it th that way. I just started listening in March and have enjoyed it so much. <laughs> uh, I heard about it from Reddit. And think it is so cool that you try different game systems. Some I have not heard of before, but can, am definitely going to try them with my home group. Five stars. And if, oh, thank you. Uh, number one, thank you very much, Cosmo24. And if uh, y'all want to leave a review, y'all can go to iTunes, because that's a place for reviews. And leave us, you know, a high review, because you love this podcast so much. And we would read it on the air. Oh, on the podcast. <laughs> bye bye. Thank you. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye. This episode's mid intermission ish shout out is from Supreme underscore Mediocrity, who says, quote, Easily the most ornery Iron Dragon, Ratchet's story unfolds in Iron Hearts, Iron Dragons, Book Three, available on Amazon and Kindle, June 1st, 2023. End quote. We don't pay to advertise our show, so the only way we can grow is if you tell somebody about us. Is there an episode that would make someone you know smile? Tell them about it. Thank you. We also have ebook, paperback, hardcover, and audiobook adaptations of the Fire Breathing Kittens adventures on Amazon and Audible. And if you'd like to arrange for your own shout-out to be read in the intermission, you can do that on firebreathingkittenspodcast.com. Errol. Hello. Chico. Hello. Lothario. We gotta save Chico. Errol. Don't want him getting married. Chico. I'm internally screaming. <laughs> and Lothario. We're gonna take care of you. <laughs> Welcome back to Fire Breathing Kittens. Everyone, roll a D100. Ooh. 73. I've got a 59. I got an 11. Okay, it was 67. Uh, who's the closest to that? I think that's me, 73. Yeah, I think that's you. Last time on New Edo, what happened? Well, I woke up in a tavern, made my daily rounds on the way to the Fire Breathing Kittens Guild Hall, and I noticed that I had a letter in my pocket addressed to me from my good friend Kalamon, 
uh, a divination wizard who said that there was some ongoing plot and that I need to, to get needed to gather Lothario, Chico, and myself and make our way to uh, a place that Lothario had been crashing with a friend of his. We arrived there and someone had broken in. It looks like they had kidnapped Shasta and had left some flowers in a vase with a letter and an invitation to Chico's wedding. We quickly found out that he was being forced into a shotgun wedding of sorts, is what I've heard it called before. Um, So we devised a plan to try and uh, stop this from happening. We knew we'd have to, like, confront his family and we've arrived and uh, sadly Chico seems to have been uh, enthralled by his family into kind of not necessarily <laughs> going along but he's an unwilling hostage at the moment being forced to eat delicious cupcakes <laughs> they are amazing <laughs> especially this black forest flavor man he has never had this before this is a new flavor man it got it got him hooked so without being able to uh, get him to try and like stand his ground, I decided to do some scouting to see if I could find Shasta, and Lothario is going to look over, look over, make sure Chico's all right while I'm looking around. Hopefully, I don't wind up getting myself hurt or something. I have one hundred percent confidence in you. Don't worry, Arrow. I know I just met you, but you're good. <laughs> all Let's right. follow Arrow a little bit. Errol, you've been walking through these warren tunnels for a while. The tunnel you're in now doesn't have any torches. Oh, I do not have dark vision. I'm, I mean, I'm an, I'm an adventurer. Surely I have a torch. I don't have a specific, like, adventuring gear, but I do have a pack with me, so I will dig through my pack and come up with a, a half-burned torch that I've used in the past and light it. As you light it, cobwebs crackle. You know, when you hold a flame near a cobweb, it crackles. And you see that all around you, cobwebs sag on the walls of this tunnel. And just over the torch, like sizzling, overgrown plant roots hang down from the ceiling. I will... Are they uh, quite large? Or are these like tree roots? Or... From large, thick as your arm, to tiny, smaller than your hair. Are they blocking my path, or are they just, they're just nope. there? they're just uh, drying out and steaming a little bit with the torch under them. All right, well, I will try to lower it and try to keep from setting these roots afire as I'm traveling through this tunnel. As you travel, the roots dangling down feather touch you lightly, which, with walking next to spider webs, is making your skin crawl. What was that? I look around for the source of the noise. Movement. The glow of two animal eyes. A translucent coyote meets your eyes briefly, then pads down the burrow a bit and turns right, disappearing from view. Now, Chico has mentioned many times that the coyote is a sacred animal to his people, so I will follow this spirit coyote to the right. Yes, you turn where the translucent coyote did. There's a place where the roots overhead had been cut off. They shrivel on the floor, still juicy, not too withered, as if they were cut recently. The gap in the roots reveals another burrow. Mm. 
At this point, I would like to... Hmm. There's still no torches. I would attempt to be as stealthy as I can, being the only light source for a, a while away. I don't think that really makes too much sense, but I'll, I will try to go as quietly as I can. Roll a stealth roll. Would you... Would this be disadvantaged considering I'm carrying a torch in the dark or... <laughs> yes, drop a d10 because you've got a light source. <laughs> oh, wait, I got to roll my fate first. Sorry. Oh, yes. Roll your fate. 27. That's in the blank area. A 17. A 17. Noted. I'm not supposed to tell you if that succeeded or not in this system, which I really like. But you know that your perception number is what? 15. Yep. So might or might not work. It's pretty close there. All right. You stealthily enter this burrow, holding your torch, the roots overhead cut off recently, the cobwebs pushed to the corner out of the way. This burrow takes you to a room. Small openings in the walls and ceilings let in slivers of sunlight that cast a faint glow. Pipes and gauges are everywhere. There is a control panel in the center of the room. I will investigate this control panel, see what it's controlling. There are gauges and dials, analog numbers reading from zero to a higher number. A scrap of paper catches your eye. Go ahead and write this down, everyone, and think about what it means. 715,000 gallons snow melt. Let me know when you're ready. 715,000 gallons snow melt. Okay. Okay. 382,000 gallons aquifer. 382,000 gallons aquifer. Okay. The last line is aquifer only, colon, three years to depletion. Aquifer only, colon, three years to depletion. Hmm. The note is scribbled on a scrap piece of paper, torn out of a notebook, looking like someone was doing calculations. Well, it's, it's definitely some sort of water source, but um, do I see those gauges? They just have different dial numbers. Like, there's no anything that says water valve or pressure valve or anything like that. Using the backwards calculations, so you see the final numbers. Those are the results of the math. In the backward calculations, the starting numbers in these calculations match the numbers on the gauges. So the numbers used to calculate that final result matches the flow rate on that pipe. Okay. All right. And now, back to cake. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you both, this is for Chico and Lothario, here, Aunt Arlie say... If you don't finish this cake tasting, I don't think we'll ever be able to make any decisions together as a clan. Which I find personally amusing for her to say. Um, she pushes a lemon cupcake towards you. There are three flavors left. Oh, he, he's struggling with all the sugar he's been eating because he has been eating like one bite of cupcake, maybe two if he really likes it. Maybe half of one like that peanut butter one. But man, it's like he's just had like three or four full cupcakes. He is just full of sugar. He, oh, mm. So, um, he, I'm going to lean over. Like, he's like, it's good. Without much more comment. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and lean over Chico and whisper subtly into his ear and say, Hey, uh, I'm here for you. I'm going to change tactic. And so, and then I lean away and I say, Aunt Arlie, 
First of all, I want to apologize for my rude behavior earlier. My grandma D taught me better than to treat someone so poorly when I'm a guest in their home. So number one, I would like to apologize. Number two, and then I walk over to the the sliding vanilla cupcake on the wall. <laughs> I will pop it off the wall or ground, wherever it happens to be. It's on the ground dust right it, now. <laughs> dust it off a bit. Take a bite. Smile. Because, you know, they went through a lot of effort to make these cupcakes. And then I will subsequently take a bite of each cupcake I was supposed to take and say, I agree with you. I've known Chico here for a little bit, and he is very wise, and he is a good decision maker. And so... I trust him, and I will, I will uh, take part if you will allow me to participate in the Barrett clan um, rituals and traditions, and just take a bite of each cupcake, <laughs> and then after each bite, you know, chew, have my face reflect that I am enjoying it, and then um, rely on my ridiculously high metabolism to process all this sugar. <laughs> Speaking of sugar, she pushes a caramel cupcake towards you both. There are two flavors left, and she says, Exactly! We couldn't choose the cupcake without Chico. You're the most important person in our Coraline's life, and we need your support as a family. And this is caramel now. I guess that makes sense. He says very sadly, (laughs) choking back tears, wondering about his future life. But he knows he's got Lothario there next to him. And also, that little coyote is there as well, and it seems to be doing its thing. In fact, it's thinking about helping it at some point. So just so Lothario, or the player playing Lothario knows, this coyote can help, can actually assist if you need assistance. I I will uh, read the body language that you are communicating that message to me so that Mm. I understand that uh, how helpful this coyote is. Mm-hmm. As I am uh, taking the, the new caramel cupcake and I see that Chico is struggling, like he, he feels like all this pressure is on him to, to, I guess, to guide Coraline accordingly because he is the focus of her affection and attention. I will ask Aunt Ollie, I'll say, pardon me, Aunt Ollie, um... Nothing against my man Chico here, but are are there no other uh, beautiful rabbit people that Coraline would be interested in? I mean, no offense, but why him? As an outsider, I don't expect you to understand, but we marry our cousins here. And if you really love the Barrett clan, you would too, Chico, and you would finish this cake tasting. Is it really too much to ask to eat cake? Isn't this wonderful? And she pushes a red velvet cupcake with cream cheese frosting towards you. There is one flavor left. And what did you think of the caramel one and the red velvet with cream cheese? It was good. <laughs> oh, no. I guess that Chico has no, can't really say too much because it's, it's just, he is just like his entire, like, Oh man, just sugar, sugar and su- just sugar and salt from the sweat of just mm-hmm. thinking about the situation. All it's just, it's just, it's good, it's good, it's good. Let's get over with. Yeah, for the listeners, Chico's the, not really enjoying the tasting anymore. No, yeah, the review for the last several cupcakes has been air quotes good. <laughs> I, I will pop up at this point and say, Aunt Ollie, this red velvet cupcake is good. It's not as good as some of the previous ones, but I think. 
you're doing something that uh, people in my town call gilding the lily. I mean, red velvet's good, but you don't need to put extra frosting on here to make it extra sweet. In fact, you may want to put a savory element or something salty to counterbalance how sweet it actually is. I mean, if you were to take input. You're right. In fact, savory elements like carrots make this next one what it is. And she pushes the last cupcake towards you, a carrot cupcake, and says, Oh, come on. It's not like you had anything better to do. Just eat this last cake and we'll make it quick. And what's your choice? And here's a carrot cupcake. And what's your choice? What do you think of the carrot? Mm. Are you talking to Lothario or Chico? Chico. Chico. Mm. Carrot cupcake. Just... This is, uh, he, he tells Lothari, yep, carrot cupcake, this is the classic. Oh, man, it's just, oh, did you have to save the classic for last? It should have been first. <laughs> but I do appreciate you leaving this one for last. You should have a taste of it, Lothari. This is our, this this is what we're best known for, our crops and our produce. You should have, if all this is sampled from with some of our best crops, strawberries and the caramel and the cinnamon and the coffee everything's grown on our farm it's very very delicious this is this is our pride and joy and he takes a bite into that and says it is good (laughs) (laughs) and it's like oh done i will um i will hold my cupcake uh, appreciatively instead of sternly as before and i'll turn to aunt arlie and say you know as i walked in I notice how fine of an agricultural uh, geography you have. Your soil is rich. Your crops are strong. And I can see all those ingredients making their way into these very delicious cupcakes. Uh, This one, if I may, I would like to say for my mama, because she loves carrot cake. And I cannot imagine a better carrot cake cupcake than coming from here. Would that be all right with you? Would that be insulting if I were to not... Take a taste of this, but perhaps save it for my mother. You understand how it is with mothers. They should be honored. Oh, I absolutely honor your family. And you see her bring out, like, I mentioned there were trays of cupcakes on this table. Underneath the table are wedding favors, and packaged to go is a dozen, a baker's dozen. You get 13 carrot cupcakes for Lothario. Chico, do you have a choice? What's your wedding cake gonna be? Mm, Can you send me a... Ooh. Oh, mm. yeah, I'll, I'll go over them again. Chocolate, vanilla, marble, coconut. All right, here. You tell me when you're ready. Chocolate, vanilla, marble. Mm-hmm. Got it. Coconut, pineapple upside down, and coffee cake. Mm-hmm. Peanut butter, black forest, lemon. Mm-hmm. Caramel, red velvet, mm-hmm. carrot. Man, those are amazing. Amazing list. And she's kind of manipulating you into picking your wedding cake, which means you're getting married. <laughs> so. Now, before you mm-hmm. answer, Chico, uh, there is a tradition in my family, and I assume that it probably does not carry over into your warrant, because I've already noticed several different conventions. Um, my grandmother named me and my brother, because the maternal grandmother is responsible for that. But I would ask your lady... Does she not have a choice in your wedding cake or the wedding cake? The wedding and I cake. turn to Aunt wait Arlie a, and say, "Wait a minute, Aunt. Did, wait, okay, GM. Did you mention a strawberry flavor? I don't think you did, did you?" 
I did not. Um, this is Coraline's win. And all these flavors, and you forgot to mention Coraline's favorite flavor. Strawberry. He's getting a bit worked up. What? Well, I don't know what it tastes like, but I know her strawberries are the sweetest and the best in the world. You should at least make you... All these are delicious, especially that Black Forest, but it's got cherries in it. That's not her bet. That's not her signature fruit. Do you, why didn't you make a strawberry? He, he's getting a little worked up. And you can see with the look on Aunt Arlie's face that she didn't even consult Coraline about what cake flavors to make. Coraline was not involved in the list creation process for the cake flavors. This is almost like Aunt Arlie, and I guess Uncle Gene, parentheses. <laughs> <laughs> but mostly Aunt Arlie's and the clan is pressuring you two to get married, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you successfully deduced. Woo! Coraline was not involved in the making of this list. So Aunt Arlie says to you, Well, I, it must have slipped my mind. I, well, I, I, need, I need to taste the strawberry cupcake. Would, I hate to ask you this, la- this last minute, but can you bake up, bake up a... Strawberry flavor cupcake or, you know what? I've made my decision. I want strawberry. I appreciate all these flavors, especially that Black Forest one that you came up with. I think that's amazing. That, to be honest, between all of them, that was my favorite. But oh, Hold on, hold on. Gonna... I'd like to nudge Chico <laughs> to slow him down. It's like, don't, don't commit. Let's buy some time. And that means that Chico, by the way, listeners, we set mm-hmm. up some role-playing rewards earlier before the game. And when Chico endearingly gets too excited, goes too far, and gets reined in by a party member, was on the Jeopardy squares. So you hit it. <laughs> Reward Chico with plus 2%. Target enemy becomes surprised for one turn. Please put that on your fate card at a later time. But that was one of our role-playing bingo. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's good role-playing. Good job. Lothario, continue to calm Chico down. Go ahead. <laughs> I will say, um, have her make the strawberry cake because maybe she don't know what she's doing. Number one. So let's have her make it. And uh, Aunt Arlie, if you would please, I think in the future, having some kind of sorbet or palate cleanser between uh, flavors would be beneficial to actually get the full flavor of each cupcake. They were all delicious. <laughs> but let's really accentuate what you got there. I, I don't want you to be shortchanged in what you're doing. But uh, let's let's have him taste the strawberry. And then if we get Coraline to taste strawberry, and if we're in agreement, maybe, maybe we can move forward. Does that sound good to you, Chico? This is kind of your thing. Well, that sounds good. It sounds like you went through a lot of trouble baking all these different cakes and different flavors. I do surely do appreciate it. But you, have, you can spend some time to go bake, bake a nice strawberry cake before our wedding, right? Uh... Uh, and she's like, you've caught her, you know, she didn't consult Mm. her daughter at all. She's kind of just forcing this on people regardless of what they want. And And this is the, this is the genuine reaction out of character. (laughs) I know this is the ploy to get her like out of here, but in character, Chico's actually flustered by this. Oh yeah. I mean, you did like your cousin Coraline growing up. Like, you know, her pretty well. Yeah. Yeah, You just don't want to marry her. But (laughs) exactly. (laughs) So yeah, you succeed aunt arlie will go so she and jean head off they're gonna leave the room now she's going to the kitchen she says i can whip that up in an hour don't you worry the the wedding is not going to be delayed at all i'll be at the ceremony and there will be a strawberry wedding cake at the wedding jean and she like <laughs> like pokes him and he he like snorts and wakes up 
sitting in his chair. <laughs> <laughs> she says, come on, we got some baking to do. You can tell that he definitely like helped bake all these cakes with her. <laughs> she says, just one more tradition before the wedding. Are you ready for your bachelor party? Bachelor, bachelor party? Well, not particularly. Look at me. I think, you know what? Before this bachelor party. And he looks at Lothario and says, Lothario says, this gentleman here knows everything about fashion. I want to get real spruce stuff nice. I want to make sure Lothario here get, makes me, gets me looking good. Oh, I can handle that. I, I know a guy. And so we're going to have to go probably to Gaudilu. It's going to be a while. Now, if we're going to have a proper bachelor party, because at the, at the sound of the word party, like I light up. I'm like, okay, yes, <laughs> this is my domain. I'm ready. Uh, so... I know the cake will be ready in an hour. Do you want to taste that and then do the bachelor party? Or what is the convention of the Barrett clan? Well, as long as you have a bachelor party before your ceremony, if tradition has been achieved, so go down this. Uh, Chico, you know where, and then she like says a room name that you're very familiar with. The rec room. Mm -hmm. You know where the rec mm -hmm. room is. That's where the bachelor party is being held. Go to the rec room. They're going to be celebrating you. And I will have this cake in a jiffy. Pardon me, Aunt Arlie. Traditionally, the bachelor party is not organized by the mother-in-law. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, no offense. And of course, I do not understand your traditions or conventions. So please forgive me if I'm speaking out of line. But I would like my man Chico to have a proper bachelor party if, if you would. Chico, what do you think? Well, you boys figure that out, and she leaves. She's got to get that cake <laughs> done. She does not particularly care about bachelor party, you know, uh, happiness. So she's gone. Uncle Gene are gone. You guys are alone. Chico, you know where the rec room is. Oh, that was that was a horrible experience. Well, you see now why I wanted to leave this place. Oh, absolutely. And I don't blame her for acting that way. They they all act like that at a certain age. And then oh, Coraline, bless her heart. She she's just so high strung and and just bound determined. But I I don't I think if she I and he, he's uh, lost for words. It's almost like all of us are just kind of shamed into doing what we do here. And I haven't felt free until I actually left this place. And just being married up with Coraline, love her to death, beautiful woman. But my goodness, I, she's my cousin. I will say there is a place for tradition, and I think honoring the legacy of your ancestors is valuable, and that should not be disregarded out of hand. However, your, the person that you are made to be should be expressed for who you are, and you should not be constrained by the, by the expectations of others necessarily. I mean, they can guide you, but only if they have your best interest at heart. <laughs> Otherwise, they're just controlling you, manipulating you. That's not what you need. Shucks, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. And I don't think Coraline actually wants to manipulate me. She's just unaware of it. But I'll be honest, Coraline, I don't think she really is in love with me. I think she just, everyone's pressuring her to do it. And she's always said she wanted to, but and there's no one out there that's really for her. And she doesn't know anyone. And the only reason she's been chasing after me is she's just into the thrill of the hunt and the thrill of chasing someone. I know how that is. No, I don't blame her at all. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so here, here's what we'll do. 
Number one, I think we need to find uh, Errol. We need to reunite with him. Uh, explain the situation, what's happening. And then it might not be a bad idea to talk to Coraline to see how she feels about this whole situation. Mm, I, I suppose. Would you we're, be all right back, with that? I mean... We're back at home, and I've got you, for, you Lothario and Errol. I got you both from the Fire Breathing Kittens. Maybe I can calm her down a bit just for a minute to listen. You know, I didn't want to mention this before, but I was on a previous uh, adventure with the Fire Breathing Kittens, and they got in my pack... Uh, it's a potion of uh, heartache. And so if she truly has difficulty, uh, like she's pining over you in a way that she cannot get over, that potion may help and it may solve your problem to a degree. But I think there is a larger problem where both of you are being uh, coerced by forces beyond just you and her. And that needs to be addressed. Hmm. That, that, that would work. That's a brilliant idea. I like the idea of using that a, a potion. As long as it's not forcing her to love someone else, I want her to fall in love with someone. Just so, I hope that happens to me too. But and I hope she can do the, it happen the same way for her. But just not with me. But <laughs> that would that would actually be a brilliant idea. And that doesn't seem like it's forcing her. It seems like it's like it's prior. It, like it like it's going going to enlighten her and let her know what's actually going on here. I like this idea, but now how do we get a hold of her? Where would she be? And She's probably... that takes us to Errol. You haven't seen that translucent coyote in a while. Now you're kind of wandering around and you're like, oh, I'm lost. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I will, I will try to stop and get my bearings, um, see if I can find my own tracks back or anything like that. Hmm. Yes. You stop, and you hear raucous laughter and drunken singing growing louder and louder. Oh, that sounds like a good time. I'm going to check that out. <laughs> <laughs> the underground warren hums with excitement as the bunny people prepare for a raucous celebration. The walls here are adorned with colorful streamers and balloons, and a makeshift dance floor has been cleared in the center. Upon your arrival... Six bunnies and a wolf folk guffaw and greet you, and they turn and they stare at you, and their paws are clutching champagne flutes. They stumble to a stop, that one wolf folk, Georgie Porgy, drunk like the rest of them. The bachelor partygoers turn to look at you. You have been caught in the act of sneaking through their warren. We're going to have to do some kind of charisma check. Okay, um, I'm going to go straight up to Georgie Porgy. Because I heard his description before, and Chico had mentioned him. I'm going to go straight up to him, uh, and I'm going to say, uh, T Thomas Underhill at your service. I I have to say, uh, Mr. Porgy, I've heard of your work, and I knew that the minute I found Chico, that I should bring him right to you. So I was just wondering if you could have any kind of reward for apprehension that I might could uh, claim. The rabbits look very alarmed. The rabbits, one of them says, Why did we pay Bacti? Now we have to pay this fool too? Georgie Porgy, how many people are we paying here? And I'd like you to roll with disadvantage on your charisma check because now you've made them pay lots of money. They already paid. <laughs> okay. What was Bacti for? <laughs> so roll with disadvantage. What is your skill? And roll your fate. Yes, yeah, so I have 
deception here. Six. Six and four and presence. All right, I'll roll my fate first. A 97, critical success. Oh, yes. Yeah, baby. <laughs> and then a 10 and a six and a four for deception. I got a nine total for the roll itself, but I don't know if that, I don't know how much no, that no, matters. No, no, you don't roll if you get a critical success. Oh, so yeah. I didn't even have to roll those. Okay. No, cool. no. I'm just thinking. Okay, a critical success in deception. Not in charisma, not in persuasion, in lying. Mm-hmm. You lied very well. And you lied that you were involved in getting Chico to come here. Which means you've now made yourself a rival to the skills of Georgie Porgy. You're saying Georgie Porgy wasn't responsible for this. Whoever backed he is totally didn't play a hand. You're saying that you're claiming turf. You're claiming that you brought Chico here. And to be fair, you did. So one of them says, Yeah, I saw that that person was standing next to uh, some kind of like, Lothario, what were you wearing today? I was wearing a beautiful green kimono with white cuffs. <laughs> and it looked like rivers were flowing through it. And then after some crazy backflip, Chico came out like a hundred co-boats in a car. <laughs> I love that reference. Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. Trick and Louie Drift for the listeners. Listen to that one. <laughs> and so your deception critically succeeds. Everyone believes that you are the reason why Chico came here. And now Georgie Porgy is your enemy. Oh. And Georgie Porgy says, no. Uh, what was his voice like? doesn't really describe his voice, but it says that he keeps his hands in his pocket and he has a laid back body language and he keeps a low profile and he's chill and he always keeps his cool even when things don't go his way. And he says, surely, was it you who brought Chico here? I guess I should thank you then. Why don't you come over and have some champagne? We'll toast. Hmm. <laughs> Can, is there an insight check here? <laughs> that's a good question what are your skills what is new Edo? investigation maybe i have deception investigate yeah maybe just uh, investigation all right roll investigation i do have uh well no because this isn't i have something called smell a liar but it wouldn't matter if he's lying because he's just talking about getting champagne which could be a genuine but with a ulterior motive <laughs> so yeah i'll roll investigation to see if he's got some other plan that i don't know about so, uh, rolling my fate first. Uh, 35 is nothing. <laughs> You're giggling too much, GM. I'm... We're about to enter a frat party situation. The drink is the danger. A fif 15 investigation. Oh, no, that doesn't beat it. As he pours you glass after glass of champagne and the bachelor party chants, Drink! 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 All around you. Let's count. Roll a... Mm, roll 3d10 and let's see how many flutes of champagne you're drinking. Oh my. I, I rolled... <laughs> yeah. Would this be a... Would this, this wouldn't be an exploding roll, would it? Yep. <laughs> Are you sure? Yep. I, okay. <laughs> and you don't notice Georgie Porgy is uh, palming the champagne. So he's pouring it from one flute to another, not really drinking it. As you drink... 25. <laughs> flutes of champagne. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> They're small, they're party-sized, but that's still a lot of champagne, my friend. You guys, Errol is in danger. <laughs> Errol, you can't see straight. You, the room is spinning. 
and Georgie Porgy is going to help you out there as you stumble, and he leads you away from the group, and he leads you into the dark hallway. I'd like to snap back to your companions now, as the wolf is taking you away from the bunnies. <laughs> hey guys, so you said you were going to find Errol, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's number one. <laughs> so, I would imagine going to the rec room, where the party is, that'd be enough people there that may have seen him as they traverse to the bachelor party. Yeah, but right. I don't know it as well as as Chico does. So Chico, where should we go first? Let's head on over to the rec room. I mean, if we find someone, we can introduce ourselves and see if they found Errol already. There might have been someone walking around the Warrens here and might have run into him. So yep, we'll be heading to the rec room. And since I know where it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you head right there. There's a party atmosphere, raucous celebration sounds, the underground warren hums with excitement. Upon your arrival, you see a wolf helping a poor little halfling out into the hall to vomit, you know, <laughs> and you see him pull back his arm and punch Errol right in the stomach. We're going to roll a to hit and see if he can uh, help you get that up and out. It's better to, you know, clean yourself, right? Like. What does it say? Purge? Purge yourself of, of the poison. So he's helping you out there as he punches you in the stomach. And you feel like, Errol, the world is spinning. You don't know where that blow came from. So let's roll. This is my first time rolling in this game system. So I have 2d10 and a d8 on this to hit. Where's my d8? Oh, goodness. These dice are the same size. Um, That is a 17. Uh, my defense is 14. So yes. Okay, the punch hits you right in your very bloated belly. <laughs> Champagne is bubbly. Your friends arrive on the scene. Uh, let's have you take damage, though. That's 1d10 plus 4 kinetic. 4 damage. What's your remaining hit points? 19. Okay. Your friends arrive on the scene. <laughs> Bachelor party is dangerous. So, just for review... Did we, did, uh, Chico, did you ever describe to me what Georgie Porgy looks like? Oh, yeah, Wolf Folk. Okay. So you know it's him. So, yes, that is what I wanted to confirm before I acted. I said, Chico, that's Georgie Porgy. That's the man that took Shasta. And so I don't even notice that he's punching Errol. <laughs> but I am, I am hopping over bunnies or whoever else happens to be between me and him. And I'm going to him to give him a piece of my mind. There's no one in the hall. There's a no the partying hall. group of people like a few feet away, but you're right around a corner in the hall in the dark. He didn't punch you in front of everybody. <laughs> I do have dark vision and I, I assume I still have my lit cigarette to kind of help guide the way. <laughs> so I'm going straight for Georgie Porgy. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. So we are now yep. going to mm -hmm. enter combat. Everybody... So there's orders of, welcome to New Edo, we're finally playing it. New Edo has a really interesting combat system. So the first thing we do is determine surprise, right? Mm -hmm. If anyone is surprised, their initiative drops to one. I'm going to go with both Errol and Georgie Porgy. <laughs> For different reasons, are surprised. Errol, you're surprised because you're kind of drunk and you didn't see that punch coming and your stomach was really hurting you right now. Georgie Porgy is surprised because he thought he was alone. He specifically brought you here to be alone. The surprise for him is that there are people. Your initiatives are both one. Next, we're going to determine cover. I'm going to give them both partial cover because he brought you here to hide you and punch you where no one would see you. So you both, 
Errol and Georgie Porgy have partial cover, which means that neither of you is exposed and you don't invite quick attack. Exposed means that you invite attacks. Lothario could have like attacked, but you guys are in melee with one another, so you're also not exposed. Next, we do initiative. Everyone, please go ahead and say your initiative. 42. A minus 30. And I'm zero, correct? One. One. Sorry. With 42, that means that Chico's first, and then Lothario, and then both of you. Okay, so perfect scene because we're in the Warrens underground, and he said that there are roots over over top of us dangling down? Only in that disused area. Mm -hmm. That was my hint. Like dust, but for burrows. Mm -hmm. But... Pretty much there are probably plants that are planted above us right now, just our roots aren't. So what's yeah. going to happen? He's going to see George Purin and he's like, I got this. And he and he kind of looks up at the at the ceiling and he squints looking up and puts his hands down. It looks like he grabs something in the air. He starts to see roots coming down and they start to come around like behind Georgie Porgy. And what I'm casting is called harass. So it's a it's a plant based rote. A rote is like a spell in the system. And he's going to cast it to harass him. I'm going I'm going to be lowering his perception and attack. So I've got to roll 3d10 plus 1d4 plus 1d6 for this attack. And that's going to be let me see. D10, so that's 3d10 plus d4 and a d6. And what I do here, there's I don't have to hit a target. Well, I don't have to hit um, Georgie Porgy's evasion or anything, I have to hit a target number, and the target number for her ass is four, and I roll the total of, let's see, 22. So what I do is I divide 22 by four and round up, so that's at six. So I got six, so he takes a negative six to perception and attack. Mm. Oh, wow, to attack. He's gonna miss a lot. For the duration, oh, and it lasts for a minute, unless they use a full action to clear the vines. Rolling reflex plus survival with the target number equal to your original casting roll. So my original casting roll is 22. Okay. And that, co- and that cost me 12 legend points out of my 64. Ooh, if you're temporary legend. Hmm? Oh, For the listeners, that's like a backup HP pool. If you hit zero HP, you can burn legend, your temporary legend pool. So magic users die more. <laughs> like die, die. Ooh, how much temporary legend do you have left? Um, let's see. 52. Yeah. So if he burns that up, can't cast any more magic. So it's a little bit fancy and there's a limited amount of spell casting. And if he drops to zero hit points, he doesn't have that temporary legend to keep him standing. So mm-hmm. that works. And I've noted the minus six attack and minus six perception. And describe, so you've you've like done some hand motions. Oh yeah, I would say I would say we're underneath some pumpkin a pumpkin patch because <laughs> it's going to be pumpkin vines and they wrap around his his I would say uh, it says his eyes and ears and this is perfect because of the AR coming from above. This is perfect. Yeah. So it's just a bunch of vines grabbing around his eyes and ears. And he's a tall person in a in a burrow like he was his mm-hmm. head was near the vines. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. After Chico is Lothario. And I will okay. say, the wolf makes some sound. The wolf is like, rrr, 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 as his mouth is muffled, and, and his screaming mm-hmm. is alerting the bunny folk, who are going to enter mm-hmm. in after. You'll see. All right, Lothario? So, uh, what I'm going to do is first, 
I'm going to use my uh, quick action to uh, unsheathe my rapier because I have my trusty sword with me at all times. But as I'm closing the distance, I'm going to hurl a, a vicious insult at him to, to weaken his psyche. You know <laughs> what I mean? So uh, let me think about what I'm going to say. I'm going to say, you're definitely your mama's son. You just chose the wrong man. And I'm going to come at him. Stat-wise, this is a katana melee attack, right? Correct. So the way I have flavored this for the listener is you do get equipment in Nuedo, Nuedo, sorry. And um, for both my rapier and my insults, and I will say musical attacks, even though I may not do that here, uh, I have all flavored them as a katana attack, which would be uh, I would roll my power because it is a melee attack, plus my light melee modifier. So that would be 2d10 plus a d4. So I'm going to go ahead and roll that, and we will see what we get. That's cool. So, aha. (laughs) Uh, On one of the (laughs) d10s, I got a 1, but on the other, I got a 10. So that that explodes, correct? And I get to roll again? Yes, roll that 10 again. All right. That is a 3. So... Uh, that will be a total of 16. Against reflex, is that it? Or against, uh, defense? I believe it's against defense. Ooh. You miss. Because his ears are covered, he can't hear your insult. Oh, that makes sense. I should have used my bladed weapon. (laughs) But it's unsheathed. It's ready for next time. (laughs) Which takes us to Errol's turn. Errol. Yeah, so, um... Uh, the amount of actions we get, we get a full action, a quick action, and a move action, correct? Yes. Okay. So for my full action, I would unsheath my rapier and loose from his grip if I haven't already been pulled away by these vines or whatever. And I will attack him with my rapier. So roll my fate first. 85 is 2% chance the target is enthralled. Oh, dang. Was I supposed to roll fate on my attack? Yeah, it's okay. It's fine. Okay. We may make mistakes, listeners. It's fine. Yeah, because the only way you can oh, crit me or too. I botch, it's fine. I don't know how that would affect the situation, but that's I guess that's something for you to determine, GM. So what I'm looking up right now is whether or not you have to use a full action to take your sword out. I'm looking at the list of it, examples. To, to draw a weapon, it's a quick action. It, yeah, so Correct. it's saying yes. that draw and ready one ac- one weapon is a quick action. On page 211. By the way, listeners, it's a 300-plus page rule book, So we're doing our best. Um, so, yeah, Errol, you have your full action still left to you because drawing and readying your one weapon was a quick action. Okay, cool. So, yeah, and then I'm going to attack. Good. That is a full action. <laughs> I got. Does an 18 hit? Describe your weapon first. Uh, a rapier. I pull my rapier. It's long and pointy, and I stick him with the pointy end. Right, yeah. And uh, no, his defense is 30, you guys. Oh my goodness. He's squirming because of the vines, and he magically, luckily, squirms out of the way of your rapier and screams. And upon his turn, I'm actually going to have the whole bachelor party swarm outside into the hallway. You're greeted first by cheerful hellos and Chico, you know, everybody's so glad to see you. It's been so long. People look older than you last saw them. Uh, Some of them are fatter. You know, familiar faces for you, Chico. They 
swarm you. Now, picture frat party. This is a lot of people in a small space. We're in we're in burrows here, and you're almost being like lifted up, your foot off the ground because they're ch- they're cheering and holding you up. Bro, you're getting married. <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, and he looked back at the fight going on. He's like, he's thinking how to get back. Is it my turn again? No. It's their turn, and this is mm-hmm. happening on their turn. Mm-hmm. Do you, this is a role-playing question, do you say you're getting married, or do you deny it? Um, In the moment, trying to get them to just playing along, yeah, he would say, yeah, 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 I'm, yeah, getting married. Kind of reluctant, but I can tell they're all drunk. Yes. Just playing along with it. You play along, so there's no combat here. As they disentangle the vines from the wolf and hoist him up too, and everyone's having a great time. So that's actually just a role-playing choice. The combat ends. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, everybody is welcomed. The atmosphere is festive. You gradually relax from the tension. I have a, I have a question about this room here. So they've got drinks, but do they have food? And how much food is there? Yes, there is food. Um, actually, no, there is no food, only drinks. <laughs> oh, wow, no food? Where's all the food? <laughs> this is the bachelor party. The food is at the reception. Well, screw this, I'm hungry. You guys hungry? <laughs> I'm looking at how fat they are and how drunk they are. I bet they'd just be like, yeah! <laughs> they are hungry. They have so, the munchies. So I, I can conjure this up real quick. Look what I've learned while I've been out. And I'm going to cast Feast. So... What feast is, is you conjure up, you're, you convince the kami, which the kami is my little coyote, to conjure up a feast or a healthy meal, including sufficient water for five people. The higher you roll, the better tasting, more intricate the meal can be. So I'm going to roll that, and that's going to be... Man, I wasn't expecting this, so I didn't have it set up, but I know it's going to be 3d10, and I believe... Oh, plus my crafting skill, which... Like I said, I've learned it since I've been since I've been out because crafting is something Chico didn't learn here at the on the farm. He's been learning how to craft on his own. So what he's going to, so I'm going to roll three d ten, and then my crafting, which is a six and an eight, that's a total of That's twenty four total, and the target number is fourteen. Okay, so target number is fourteen. I rolled a twenty four. Nice. So what you see is you see the coyote kind of jump out and start. The coyote coyote just starts reaching to my backpack and starts. It's almost like a bag of holding where it's just pulling out a bunch of stuff that shouldn't be in there. It's just conjuring it out of there and putting it on the tables and stuff, starts sending it up. And that took, let's see, that took um, how much legend? Ten legend, but hey, now we got a bunch of delicious food. This is all made from the crops that we've grown on the farm. So, yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's fantastic. The atmosphere is festive. You guys are eating food. They are dancing with abandon. They are laughing at Lothario's jokes, telling jokes Lothario doesn't understand. Errol, um, you feel better now? (laughs) (laughs) um, I'm not going to narrate what happened, but, you know, your stomach feels better now. (laughs) I won't forget this, Georgie Porgy. Uh, you may have been caught in the act of sneaking through the tunnel, but now you feel like you've stumbled upon a hidden treasure. The bunny people welcome you with open arms, and for a few blissful moments, you forget all about your troubles and simply enjoy your time. So, you said yes. 
to getting married. Yeah, but I didn't mean it. And it was just a, what, can I have a discussion with the party while everyone else is enjoying themselves? Can I take them to the back? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, gentlemen, I do appreciate everything you're doing. And we do need to find my, my fiancé, Coraline, so I can have a discussion with her at some point. This feast and, well, distracting them. He looks back at the guys having a, just having a party and cheering. It was just a distraction to get them all hyped up and happy. We need to sneak out of here and go look for her. Would, would, now, having, wouldn't she be here hmm? getting ready? Not Somewhere in the Warrens, yes. She'd be getting ready for a wedding. And more than likely, her, her mother, my aunt, and you've met her already, probably drag, once she finally come back after getting a hold of me, <laughs> she probably scolded her for running around with that stupid wedding dress on the entire time. I know she probably hasn't taken it off since I left. So she's just so determined. I do got to share something so. with you guys real quick while I was off on my own. Mm-hmm. I encountered a set of gauges and some pipes and what looked like some water moving equipment, I guess. And a note talking about aquifer, uh, the amount of water left in the aquifer lasting three years, three years to depletion. Do you know Chico, anything? For, yeah, Chico. Go ahead. Sorry. I, I was like, Chica would take the note and look it over. Does Chica know what, what any of this is? Are you asking for the GM to give you clues or like... Do I, what's aquifer? <laughs> like, I don't know what that is out of character. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know that. You absolutely know that. That is okay. an underground water source. It's an alternative to rainfall. Mm-hmm. And it's very important during your past when you had years of drought. You would rely upon the aquifer as a stable water source when this rain doesn't fall from the sky. Mm-hmm. And it's independent of rainwater a little bit because it like, comes from horizontal underground water flow a little bit. Mm-hmm. So you can get it from like snowmelt runoff and it, it mm-hmm. even can come from the deep earth welling up. So the aquifer is very important for your guys' livelihood, but you couldn't rely on it forever. And mm-hmm. indeed... I mean, the, the shortness of the time surprises you, but it running out eventually would make sense. There's a reason why you do need rainfall. You can't irrigate the whole farm with just the aquifer. So, GM, this equipment, it wasn't recently installed. It was just the normal plumbing for the aquifer, as far as I can tell. The equipment was old, and the gauges had, like, growth on the edges of them. Maybe a little bit of rust, maybe a little oh, bit of okay. dripping. So it was know. literally like someone was just analyzing what was there. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. But do we know that my clan has this techno- technology or is that is that something we know we have or is that something that he just found? Your clan uses this aquifer very intelligently mm-hmm. because otherwise your farm wouldn't exist. You grow the best vest- mm-hmm. vegetables. You mm-hmm. have great farming science. I mean, never never doubt a farmer's agri-science. They're intelligent people. They manage the land as they need to to get, to get it done. If you just relied on rainfall, you wouldn't be growing these beautiful carrots here. Mm-hmm. This is something that your clan treasures. This is a, a secret of your clan and where the aquifer is and like, you know, it's flow rates and things like that. These are, this is confidential information that's critically important to your clan survival. Oh, and this, this handwriting isn't from anyone in my clan. Doesn't look like it, does it? Well, you don't know your whole clan's handwriting. I'm not uh, going to give you that, mm-hmm, but um, mm-hmm. I will say this is 
critical for the clan's survival. You can't yep. run your farm without the stuff in that room. And two years remaining, so that's not that much uh, three, time. Three years. Three years remain. That's right. Three years remaining. If there was no well, rainfall, but that part doesn't really make sense to you. Of course, there's going to be rainfall. Mm-hmm. Well, this is... A coyote spirit led me to this room. Um, I, I followed it because I know of the importance that the coyote plays in your, your people. Mm-hmm. Lothario, you know the secret, but you don't know it yet. <laughs> that is very confusing, GM. <laughs> <laughs> Why would rainfall not... Well, let's just say it's part of the long term. You'll find out. Maybe not in this episode, well, here, but Here's another. the question. Uh, Errol, do you have the the piece of paper, like uh, metagaming, do you have the piece of paper with you that you brought with you, or are you just relaying the information that was on the paper? I would like to say I would have swiped it. I don't think I would have left it there. Okay. So if I'm seeing the paper, I'd say, why is this being depleted so fast when you got a ton of snow melt? That seems like your primary source of water. And you can, I mean, there's twice as much snow melt as what's in the aquifer. So why can't you, like, harvest that water or store it or something? To, to clarify, to clarify, there would be no reason why you couldn't rely on rainfall. So it's a weird yeah. thing to calculate. If we had to water the farm solely with the aquifer, how long would it last? It's a weird thing to calculate. Of course there's going to be some rain, right? Like, of course rain is going to happen. So it's weird. It would have never occurred to you to calculate what if we only had aquifer water. So so that leads mm-hmm. me to believe that for some reason, either the snowmelt isn't replenishing the aquifer and it's leading them to be concerned about the reserves that they have. Mm-hmm. I mean, I understand calculating worst case scenario, but this seems extreme. Why wouldn't you have rain? It rains a lot here, don't it, Chico? Well, not particularly, because this is in the middle of a desert, but our desert is watched over by our harvest goddess, which, well, the, the long story short with this goddess, it, it was a trickster god that, well, it's the coyote, it was messing with some rabbits, but the rabbits, with their with their kindness in their hearts, they ended up convincing the uh, the trickster goddess to not play so many tricks on them, and then the god, that goddess ended up Shedding some rain and some good weather on him. Chico. So the only way... Hmm? I'm sorry. You said something that really struck with me. Is is there something that your tribe is required to do to appease the coyote to keep the rainfall happening? In many cultures... Oh, for the love of... Oh. In many cultures, a sacrifice is required in order to appease a god. <laughs> so perhaps the marriage is in order to keep the rainfall from occur, Like, keep the rainfall coming... Errol, you're assuming that it was a clan member who wrote that. True. I, I don't know that. Be careful. That is an assumption that you are making. And then go ahead and be disgusted now, Chico. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> the, the, the big, those big dummies, I swear. The whole reason they're doing this... this Wait, we're still here with all the... We need to, <laughs> we need to go to some a more private area talk about this. Well, you did say that you pulled us to the side somewhere, right? Yeah, yeah, you're like in the corner and they're all drinking. Don't worry. Okay, so I can talk. <laughs> yeah. These 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 big dummies. I it's all it's all because the preacher took the took his sister upon the bar back scrubbings. I swear I swear good. And then he come up with this whole thing about oh you gotta marry you gotta marry within the kin in order to keep the harvest goddess 
doing their thing. And then everyone's like, oh, I guess that's what the preacher said because you know, it's Max Scribner's sister over there behind him. I swear to goodness. And now that's, that's the whole reason why this whole thing with marrying within the families happened to begin with. This ain't something that's always happened. I mean, it's it could ha- it can happen. I mean, there's nothing against it. But we always didn't have to do it. We weren't ever, ever forced to do this kind of thing. But now that kind of opens my eyes to like why they're doing this kind of thing. They're doing it with because they think that if I'm not marrying Coraline, they might think that the Harvest Gods think again. You are making the assumption that a Barrett clan mm-hmm. member wrote that note. Mm-hmm. That is an assumption. So mm-hmm. dong dong, the clamor of wedding bells resounds. The bachelor party attendees whoop and hurrah and. As a big mass of people, like this is a lot of people and you can't really, your feet aren't touching the ground. They're like mosh pit pressing on you if you've ever been in a stampede or I'll call it a crush. Crush is more accurate where the sheer force of bodies lifts your chest up off the ground and your feet aren't touching the ground. As you swirl into the chapel, you are at the entrance to the chapel, a small doorway illuminated by flickering candles. The chapel itself is surprisingly large, carved into the earth with tall, arched ceilings and intricate stonework. This is the final setting of our game, everybody. Are you prepared? Oh yeah, I'm ready. (laughs) The walls are lined with candles, casting a soft golden glow over this beautiful wedding space. The altar is simple yet elegant, adorned with sunflowers and cucumber vines. Despite being underground, this chapel feels warm and inviting, like a hidden sanctuary away from the chaos of the world above. It's easy to imagine the happy couple standing before the altar, surrounded by their loved ones as they exchange vows and begin their lives together in this secret, sacred place. The pews are packed full of Barrett clan rabbit folk who seem to have been waiting for you. They all turn, you know, you can hear the creaking of the pews as they all turn around and look at you as you walk in, including in the front row, an elderly rabbit you recognize as your clan's leader, Chico, a musician with olive skin, 5'7", 125 pounds, is playing an organ, and a 30-year-old human with leather pauldrons on his shoulders is wearing a suit and standing on the clan elder's left side. The only person you don't recognize, Chico, is a mink who is three feet tall, just like most of these Barrett clan folk. The mink is standing at the clan elder's right side. Your eyes linger on this mysterious unknown mink person, reluctant to look at the rabbit standing at the altar waiting for you, wearing a wedding dress. Who was that mink? I just say out loud, like, who is that mink? I will say I recognize that mink from earlier today because I was saying hello to everybody on the way to the guild hall. And that mink was a part of that everybody. Mm-hmm. So she may be the perpetrator that is causing this whole ruckus. There was, Georgie Porgy did mention a name of a person who was supposed to apprehend Chico. And I don't remember or recall the name directly. It was Barrick. I don't re- I don't remember the name. Uh yeah, let's reply. Yeah, so who is that mink and the elder who is standing next to the mink? One of your grandfathers. We're not going to calculate exact relationship mm-hmm. to one another in this family. 
because it's mm-hmm. a little it's a little horizontal some of these bindings so <laughs> some of mm-hmm. some of the the links to people go a bit diagonal so um he says it's good to see you chico he clasps your arm and does like a good firm handshake he seems determined to ignore any tension in the air this is bakti he helped us find you bakti bows and says you have to admit chico Coraline is quite resourceful. I simply gave her a nudge in the right direction, telling her where your friend Lothario lived, and the next thing I know, she's come up with this whole plan. The result being that here we are today in this chapel with you two about to get married. It's really quite impressive, don't you think? But who, I'm going to go ahead and... Who oh, go are ahead, you? Sorry. <laughs> He's like, hey, where do you come from? I'm Bakhti. A Bakhti... Kuznetsova, and I knew where you lived, Lothario, because I have connections everywhere. I hope you understand. I had to do what I had to do. No, I do not understand. You left that place a a humongous mess that somebody's not going to need to clean up, and it ain't going to be me because I already cleaned it up this morning. Now, you (laughs) caused this mess in the first place. You may be resourceful. I will grant you that. But you wrote me and poor Arrow here into a situation that Chico don't even want to be in. Now, I will say, I'm going to throw a monkey wrench into all of this. Number one, hey, Shasta, you doing okay, first of all? I, I'm pointing at the <laughs> organ player. She sees you, and she is like, yeah, baby, this wedding is a paying gig. They hired me to play the pipe organ. I'm so glad they paid you, uh, baby. That's good. Uh, you, you keep on doing your thing. So, uh, I would like to challenge Chico for the hand of Coraline in marriage. Uh, what do you say to that, Elder? And Lothario notices. Eyes lingering on the three-foot-tall mink person. You notice they have a tattoo on their cheek. The tattoo is like a circle with a comma coming off of it in the one o'clock position. My player is face palming. The fatter Wait, part of the I, comma. do I see it? Everyone sees it, but Lothario is the one reacting a little bit right now. Um, the oh, better no. part of this is bad news. Further from the circle. Yeah, so you have challenged the elder for the hand of Coraline. I'm going to have you roll for that. Uh, I will assume that is what you would call, uh, I will use eloquence, perhaps. Do you think that would be appropriate? Yes. Okay. I happen to be an expert in eloquence. As it turns out, but I got to find out what my expertise actually is. Uh, pardon me while I look that up. Um, I, DM, I have an ability I would like to use in this instance. It adds to what Lothario is doing. Yeah, read it. <clears throat> it's called Chime In. Uh, I got to spend seven temporary legend. It's a quick action interrupt. When an ally attempts a non-aggressive social roll, you may roll your banter as a quick action interrupt and add your result to your ally's roll. This ability only works in situations where your interruption wouldn't derail the conversation or be considered inappropriate. I'm essentially going to say, uh, you know, he is, he is a, he's a catch. <laughs> Excellent musician. Great social skills. He would make a great match. <laughs> That's a great... As he, t- as Errol says this, I will turn and shake his hand firmly. I say, thank you, my good man. And so, uh, my eloquence roll will be a D10, a D12, and a D8. So let's see what we get. Don't forget to roll your fate. Ah, I'm so glad you said that, because I, I forgot. 
Uh, it is a 66, which is nothing according to my fate card. It's not a critical failure. Do you want to marry a rabbit? I'm just challenging for... <laughs> I, I mean, maybe. <laughs> Who knows? I, I'm uh, the adventurous type, we'll say. So we'll see what life leads me to. And uh, I'm trying to... I'm doing everything I can to save Chico. And you'll add a nine to whatever you rolled from mine. Hold on, sorry. Okay, I got I got a 10 on the 10, so I got to roll that again. But so far, it's a 19. And I'll roll another D10. Plus five. So 24 plus... What did you say? A Aaron? nine. Nice. So that's a 33. The clan elder puts a rabbit paw on your shoulder, which makes him, like, reach up, you know, to put a hand on your shoulder and says, My cousin's mom was a human. That's why some of us are five feet tall, you know. (laughs) (laughs) It's good genes. (laughs) And this entire scenario that I wrote is going to proceed with Lothario getting married to Coraline. So I'm just going to, I'm going to keep going. But um, that's a yes. You can marry Coraline if you want. Um, Coraline looks at Chico, and Chico, you're you're a bit dirty after today. You never did change into better clothes. You've no, no. You've been walking around first in the hot sun of Bramblebrook, and then underground in all these dirt tunnels. And you clearly, I mean, she's wearing like makeup. She's got her hair done. She's in a white wedding dress. She's looking at you. You look kind of grimy. Um, but. Aunt Arlie objects. Aunt Arlie's wheeling in a strawberry wedding cake. She's got a rolling cart. It's got four tiers, and at the top are two bunnies. Okay? Bunnies. And she puts her foot down, her rather large furred foot, and her cotton tail jiggles in disappointment as she and, of course, Uncle Jean behind her go, I object. My daughter is not marrying some stranger. Now... Chico, how do you feel about all this? And Coraline is looking from you to her mom to you, and she's, I mean, she's, yeah. Yeah, what do you do? Uh, now, just, just hold on one second, Aunt, 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 Aunt Arley. I've got something I need to tell, to talk, to tell Coraline in front of everyone here. Coraline, listen, I know you love me and you want to start a family with me, but you ain't, ever met anyone else besides me and i know you hate all them them dummies all around you've told me that so many times but you're just not listening to me there are other people out there and i'm trying to go out and make something figure out what i'm good at what i what i love out there in the world and i think you need to as well i know you've been out there in the world looking for me there's got to be something out there that, that caught your attention I know you were so you're so pent up on trying to find me. Maybe you were thinking to yourself, uh, I maybe maybe I want someone else other than Chico. And then you stop yourself because you're just so gosh darn just hard headed and not wanting to change your mind. But uh, it's okay. You can change your mind. I, that's why I, that's why I left so sudden because I know you wouldn't change your mind. I'm sorry I had you go through all this. I really hope hoping that doesn't break your heart. That's the only reason why I left. The way I did, because I knew you chased after her, but I was hoping you'd give up and find something yourself. So, what do I need to roll for that, GM? <laughs> or anything? Um, 
I mean, I think you should choose whether or not your player character gets married. So Coraline's going to look at you sadly. Like, there's no role to, do I get married or not? <laughs> GM. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a player choice thing. Just like I, I try not to kill player characters without consent. So she looks at you sadly and she says, you're leaving me at the altar twice. I'm not leaving you alone at the altar this second time. I've, I've got someone who's a really amazing stand-up guy. If you're just looking for someone to start a family with, he'd be the one for you. <laughs> and I hand her the rings and, and the bouquet of roses and said, these are very pretty. I really do appreciate it. And I also appreciate your, your aunt. I actually, no, I don't appreciate your aunt because she forgot your favorite flavor cake. And I had to get on her <laughs> ass about that, that crap. <laughs> What do you mean you object to this? Oh, it's because we got them two bunnies there on the cake. Hold on. And I hop, can I hop down off yeah. and go to the cake? Yeah. G- give me that one. And it's one of me and a groom's outfit. And what I do is I'm actually going to take out some of that paper from that origami th- thing I got. And I'm going to roll the craft, an origami version of Lothario in his green kimono. <laughs> Let's see it. <laughs> Yes, wow. <laughs> I'm going to roll this. One also, second. your clan has never seen you object to anything before. You slipped away into that good night quietly. They didn't really know why you were, had gone, you know, to see you mm-hmm. burst out like this, you know. Uh, oh, yeah, and against Aunt Arlene, and while she is there, <laughs> stunned and <gasps> like that, I'm just doing this to kind of set it in motion that this man is getting married with this woman. Let's see, that goes comes from heart, which is nice, and I've got a 30 in heart. Let me roll these d10. See if we get any 10s. No 10s. I'm not getting any exploding dice. Everyone else is, not me. And a d6 and a d8. d6, d8. What's that total? 29 total. 29. For a crafting check. Your clan has never seen crafting like this. Your straw person, your origami person, that you're always making these little figurines. You've gotten really good at this. Mm-hmm. This figurine is impressive. And origami is something I don't think anyone in the clan's ever seen because this is something I, I picked up outside. You're you're so on theme with this. Outside skills, you know, outside mm-hmm. new blood into the family. Everything really meshes together and everyone in the clan can understand that you leaving, it was sad to not see you for a while, but it was a good thing for the clan because... Maybe they shouldn't be marrying their cousins. Maybe they should get out there. Maybe they should bring some new folk into... You know, you had such a good time at the bachelor party. I totally thought you were going to beat those people to a pulp. But they really liked your feast. You know, you brought them food from outside. They like Lothario a lot. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. yeah. The the little man on the cake is the icing on the cake. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> this is, you've convinced them. I want to lean over to Lothario, and I'm like, are you sure about this? <laughs> I will whisper so no one else but Arrow hears. I was like, absolutely not. I was trying to just stop this thing, and I'm now in too deep. Help me, man. <laughs> <laughs> and that is when Kalamon, Kalamon is here, and he says, Errol. Kalamon, what's up? Errol, you know me. He calls out to the whole chapel who's just enjoying the show at this point. They came here to see a wedding with the watch a, a drama. 
Remember how I knew to find you on the bank of a creek bed with the right half of your body badly burned? It's, it's true. He saved my life. I was there at the right place and the right time and was able to save you. Divination magic is how I knew to be at Shasta's apartment as they finished ransacking it. A witness they had to take with them. And he nods to the wolf and the wolf's like, yeah. <laughs> to figure out what to do with later. Because I had to be here in this chapel a few minutes from now. This is the time, actually. Errol, you know sometimes what I do doesn't make sense. But I had to be here. I had to be here for this. Coraline! The human shouts across the room to the bunny in a wedding gown. Can you imagine someone in a suit showing up as you finish ransacking an apartment? Just being like, yeah, you gotta take me with you. <laughs> anyway. Coraline! The human in the suit shouts across the room to the bunny in the wedding gown. Cole Bromley! That's the name of your actual true love. The man who, if you meet him, you'll know why marrying Chico or Lothario could never be enough. And the whole room gasps. Including Chico, what? <laughs> yeah, I would like to put my hand over my heart like I am a little bit offended. <laughs> Do I need to fold another origami thing? <laughs> I take the little origami thing off. At least you don't have to <laughs> What's on Arl or aren't Arlie doing? And Arlie is clutching her chest and, and fanning herself. <laughs> is Cole Bromley a rabbit? That's for Coraline to find out. She has those excellent tracking skills for a reason. Now use them to find someone who will be glad you found them. I think this is a fantastic revelation, everybody. We should celebrate. <laughs> Thank you, Kalamon. And I nudge, I nudge Arrow like, oh man, I'm so glad he's, he spoke up when he did. I had some smoke bombs at the ready if we if we needed to if we needed Same. to get out of here. <laughs> smoke bomb buddies, there we go. Congratulations! You've reached the end of this adventure. Now Coraline and her parents, Aunt Arlie and Uncle Jean, have accepted that Chico is not going to marry her. Unfortunately, you failed to reveal that the mink Bacti was up to no good. It's hard to say exactly what he was using it for, but it's likely that collecting the volume usage information for the fraction of irrigation water that came from rainfall versus the underground reservoir, and calculating how long the farm could stay alive on underground reservoir alone, was his true purpose for coming here. It's a shame he wasn't outed because he can continue to wander around unsupervised and collect any additional information. Or maybe he had already gotten everything he needed. Listen to our future episodes to find out. Thank you for joining us here today. Is there anything else you, the players, would like to do before we close this adventure? I would like to approach Kalamon and just thank him and say, uh, Kalamon, you're, you're always there when I need you, buddy. I appreciate it. He does like a handshake with you that I can't describe. <laughs> and let me tell you about the story about how we saved the entire world from being turned into babies. <laughs> episode sanctuary and you guys have some <laughs> feast that chico provides mm -hmm. and some delicious vegetables that the farm provides and lothario and chico is there anything you'd like to do before we end well as long as everyone in the clan's happy and they're fine with me leaving the the farm now without having any kind of like 
serious repercussions. I hope you have a guest bedroom because you have a lot of cousins coming to visit and see what the world outside is like. Oh, um, okay. (laughs) We'll work that out. I I think uh, if you could help Shasta clean up, she might have some extra room. Maybe. We'll see what happens. Shasta is like so mad at you. (laughs) You can tell she's like... (laughs) I, I didn't do nothing. I, I I didn't break. I, so, yeah, I, I would like to do a couple things. Number one, uh, I would like to make sure Shasta's okay again and say, "Hey, uh, I did clean up. Uh, it is a mess, but I'll help you clean up again. And don't worry about it. Can I please stay? Can I please uh, keep staying at your place? That's number one. The pipe number organ two. crunches discordantly, making a sound like an accordion that got stepped on, ransacked, and also gonna... voice shouts. Oh man. I'm going to rub my brow also that I am not getting married. Because even though I do appreciate uh, the fairer sex, uh, I will say that getting married at this point in my adventuring career seems a little premature, especially since I had only met her at that moment. (laughs) Uh, So I am, whew, you know, relieved. (laughs) Chico just kind of jumped the gun a bit. He was getting into it. (laughs) And then, uh, finally, I will enjoy some cake, because I hear there's some strawberry cake to be had. And then I did, uh, just in case, as a bard, as part of the celebration, I would like to play some music. Would that be okay? Yes, with music, Mm -hmm. which, with a wedding cake from each of the flavors, (laughs) there's like a full lemon, a full carrot, whatever you chose was ready for you. Um, With celebration, everyone is, you know, honestly... She got left at the altar by three different times by two different men, but she's better off for it. And she's enjoying her strawberry cake and Coraline's face as she looks at you, Chico relaxes. It's, it's usually contorted. <laughs> it's it's mm-hmm. hard to see her not uh, stressed out looking at you. And she mm-hmm. goes, Cole Bromley, huh? I have no idea who that is. You're going to have to figure it out for yourself. I guess I will. And she eats that strawberry cake determinedly. Chico, do you have anything you'd like to do before we end this adventure? Um, Chico's just happy that his cousin is off on her own, is going to go find someone else. And it's a, it's, a little, it's a little moving for him that he's got his cousin and a bunch of other relatives going out and looking, looking to explore the world now themselves. So he feels like he's accomplished something through this. And with the help of his friends, Lothario and Errol, he was able to accomplish that, and now I think the clan's better off for it. Thank you for joining on this adventure. Joining us today were Errol. I think I've finally seen a wild hare, and now I understand that mean what that means. Lothario. <laughs> I almost got married, y'all. I'm, I'm, I was not ready for that. <laughs> and Chico. Well, I hope everything turns out perfectly fine with the farm and nothing bad happens, but... Maybe something happened. I'm not sure. I wouldn't know for myself, but I'm glad I was able to get through this whole adventure with my friends here. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. See you later. Hey, everyone. It's that time of the show again where we tell you about a podcast you might be interested in. Have you heard of The Well-Seasoned Librarian? This is a podcast dedicated to talking to cookbook authors, farmers, food writers, and food media hosts. They are talking about all things food, from the practical, the humorous, and the political. Dean Jones is a librarian, cookbook reviewer, and writer. 
Originally from San Diego, Dean has lived for over 20 years in the wonderful but barely affordable San Francisco Bay Area. Here's a recent review. Quote, Fantastic! Five stars. Dean is superb and I love his podcast. It's fun and informative. I love the diversity of the talks, stories, recipes, and interviews are genuine. End quote. Check out The Well-Seasoned Librarian, a podcast. And if you're a podcast who would like to do a promotion swap with us, send us an email at firebreathingkittenspodcast at gmail.com.